What's going on, Rail Riders? Today on the show, I got Kurt, a.k.a. Big Money Kurt. That's how I know him as, and I always love that name. Uh, he's an artist of many different mediums, uh, including audio, performance, visual arts, fuck it, you name it, Kurt has pretty much done it. He's even taken his hand at podcasting, YouTube channel, and we kind of kick off the podcast right there. But we also talk about BoJack Horseman a little bit. And also we go into like relationships and what what's their purpose and all of that jazz. And uh, we also talk about art, the thing that probably joins us at the hip probably the most. But please welcome my friend Kurt to the show, guys. And um, shit, I forgot where I was in the story. What a gullible. Oh, yeah, right. I'm over. Both, both tires. Great both. intro to the podcast. We're just going to be like, what the <laughs> fuck? Dude, I'm so lost in these fucking stories. <laughs> fuck, dude, this story is going so off especially a lot of people listen to podcasts while at work so they put headphones in yeah and or in the car so to make the audio as level as possible because i'm not going to get into editing every single part of the audio to lower things i'm not that advanced maybe eventually if i get somebody on payroll i'll do that yeah, yeah. but right now i just try to keep it as even as possible and just let it roll no yeah um so i used to do or not used to we're taking like a hiatus but like i did a podcast with a couple of people that I know it's called the let me live podcast so like I said we're just taking a break with that but like I'll have to do the editing for it and sometimes it'll just be a pain because you have to listen to the whole conversation again and you just literally had it yeah that's it's one of the hard parts of it normally I don't even like doing it most of the time I won't I'll sometimes just take notes during the podcast of something yeah. that I found funny if I want to use it as a clip yeah. or if there's something like I said that I need to cut out because of for other people, yeah, yeah, there's there's random fruit flies that fly around. It's because of Hayden's plants. Gosh darn ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. But you had a podcast? So did wait, did you not advertise it at all? Because well, I don't remember ever seeing any posts from you about that. No, so the thing the plan was to pretty much get like a archive of um episodes. So when we would have like we want to do like ten episodes, right? So when then we put up ten episodes, so there's like Somebody would be interested and be like, oh, okay, let me see their back catalog. And we already had that. So now it's just more like we're getting, we only have like one mic. So when I'm editing it, obviously just with one mic, you don't have, um, you, you can't always pick up all the voices. Or so pick up one voice more than the other. Oh, so were you using like one of those snowball mics? Kind of, yeah. It was just like a USB one. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. like. It was fine if it's for one person, but, like, sometimes for three of us, it wouldn't pick up everything. Yeah. So, we were like, okay, we can't keep doing this, because I'm listening to this, and I'm like, the sound quality isn't on par all the time. I know for me, if it, the sound quality isn't on par for a podcast, I'm not going to want to listen to it. Right. Yeah. It's always, like, one of those weird uh thought processes that I go through yeah. when it comes to doing something because I want to do it right. Yeah, exactly. Because I want it to be at a certain level of quality where I'm going to be proud of it. But you hear a lot of those motivational speakers, talk, like Gary V comes to mind where he talks about, you know, you shouldn't really care about that. You should only care about the content of just putting something out. And to some extent, I do agree. Like we were talking about how I'm not going to go through and edit every little piece of audio yeah. to make sure it's yeah. perfect. But I think it's important to have a level of comfort with the quality that you're putting out. So I invested like probably like $800 into this whole Good setup. Lord. 
because I was like, well, I just kind of saved up a little bit. No, no, yeah, but it's just like obviously it's like a large, it's a large some um, number to hear right off the bat. But well, yeah. for two years of planning on doing it, it's really not that much. I should have came up with it quicker. But <laughs> I once I moved in here, like I said, one of the yeah. reasons why I agreed to move in was yeah. the place to have to do a podcast. So. It was kind of one of those, okay, now it's time to jump. Yeah, yeah. Now it's time to order everything. So right around Christmas time, I just filled up a huge <laughs> Amazon cart, got microphones, got the the shields for the mics, got yeah. the boom arms, got everything. I hacked up this desk, yeah. which is the one that was in my room, that giant one back at <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. I bought the web cameras. Dude, I was going like crazy with buying things because oh, I do see there is two of them I didn't see they're, they're always, yeah so that's okay. mine that's yours and okay. like I said we, I have some stuff recorded but pressing the button and no no yeah it's a, people who have listened to all the episodes so far probably remember every single episode almost started out with me complaining about doing it almost every episode I was like oh, dude, I did fucking hate hitting this button I just pulls me out of conversation so I'm like fuck it we're done with the button I wish you could just do like a automatic system they have those D. DeBilly was telling me that this guy, I don't know if you know him, Corey Eno, he did no. a podcast over in Nashua. I've yeah. never actually met him. I was a fan of his podcast, though, early on. Yeah. Well, not early on. I meant early on from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a couple of years ago when he was doing he stopped doing it now. But yeah. uh, D. DeBilly was telling me that he had a camera that would flick between whoever was talking. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so <laughs> jealous of that. I've heard of those systems before, but I thought they were so expensive because the ones that I was looking at was like an $800 switcher or something like yeah. that. I don't. I guess there's cheaper ones, but I don't know. Maybe he just went all out for it. Maybe, but uh, yeah. So um, it was just like the podcast was pretty much like music, pop culture. So we had I. Uh, so we had a sheet on Google, pretty much, and then we just put like our thoughts about the topic. So we like biweekly. Oh, sorry, we meet biweekly, and then we have like a topic. So the format would be two topics and then either a music review or like a slice of life. So like at least once a month it'd be like a music review. So we done like Lauren Hill, we done a couple of Drake. We had done an artist named Jack uh Jack Harlow. Uh he's um he's been in the scene for a little bit, but he's like slowly rising up. So yeah, that was just it. We would just talk about either just like like the whole Jesse some uh some let thing we talked about that we talked about like Chris Brown uh culture about like I remember one of the slice of life was just about um how to get invited to the barbecue <laughs> what do you mean so it'll be like uh, or like how to get invited or like who to bring to the barbecue and like 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 a what, hypothetical barbecue but like I don't want to bring like make oh god I don't want to make, make it a race thing but like you know the black barbecue. Oh, and like yeah. who, who can like who can come, and like why so some what, people couldn't come. So what white guys were allowed to come? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but like it was more, it good, was more in depth and about that. And then we're just kind of like giving advice about like what to do if you go to like a black barbecue. So that was some of the content. Listen, you're not going to insult me. I've been invited to a few, so I, I don't feel like I'm on the outside. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe I got to listen to your podcast to see if I would be on or not. Um, <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I guess we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> we'll see how this one goes. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's, that's why I had the the structure. So, so I was like, oh yeah, let's talk about this and let's talk about that, and let me give you some time to like think about it. So that's why that's why the like, the structure came to mind automatically for me. Oh 
Well, that's cool. Yeah. I never even knew that you did that. One thing I did know you do was your YouTube channel. Do you still do that? I didn't. I did like two videos, and like I, just, it's a. I just don't do anything with it anymore. Like I, like I had a plan, but then like I also need to get a job. So it was kind of like I can't devote this much time because I need to get a job, and I can't make this my job because I need to get an actual job. Would I like to go back to it? Yeah, I would like to go back to it at some time, but like the amount of hours you need to do for YouTube is, is a lot, and it takes some years to actually get any revenue, which is like something that you would expect, like knowing going through. Right. And that's like definitely, um, it's a, say uh, that, that skateboard is like haunting my eyes. <laughs> Do you want to put, like, a skateboard? Note on it? Oh my gosh, no! Oh, For anybody uh, listening, I have uh, I bought a primitive skateboard, which is a company, right? And they have a, a mystery box giveaway around Christmas time. It was twenty dollars, and they'll send you a random board. For those who don't know, Dragon Ball Z, it's not my thing. So they sent me uh, a fajita board. Fajita? Gotta put some respect on this name, Vegeta. Oh. You thought it? his name was Fajita for real, <laughs> dude? I don't know. <laughs> oh my but, gosh! But I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. But I still wanted Clearly. to rock. I still, I wanted to still rock the board because it was a great shape. So I just, I sanded down his face and I drew a really funny, goofy face on it. It's like a Mick and Mick and Mick Rick and Morty style. Put some respect on his name, dude. Look, don't come back. To, you said this man's a whole food. He said it's a whole Mexican dish. Yeah, you just called him a Michelob Light and Morty, dude. Oh my gosh. Uh, but where were we? We were talking about YouTube and revenue, and yeah. So let's take some time. So like, I definitely would love to do video essays and just talk about my opinions about things. But like, editing will take hours. Yeah. That's definitely like. Especially when I was trying to do animation, it would just take like an hour or two just to get the mouth. And literally, it would just be three frames, three or four frames of me just trying to like have my character talk. Yeah. My biggest piece of advice on that, and I am completely going off of ignorance here, but I've, I've stepped into a little bit of animation. You probably have yeah. seen the promo clips that I've put on uh, Instagram. Was My way of looking at it was, you know those YouTubers, the editorial YouTubers that like yeah. talk about a movie, pretty much what you were doing, right? Yeah. You, you, your uh, subject matter piece, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would just do still frames and change based on the emotions, but not... No, yeah, yeah. So I took a page out of that book because I was like, I need to do this fast. Yeah. I can't be spending a lot of time on it. So I was like, if I could just draw a frame of somebody like reacting to something or whatever. No, yeah, I see. I know it's, what you mean. it's quicker, but I've also slowly on some of them changed the lip movement based on what they were saying. So I'm going to slowly work into working in the mouths, but I'm not trying to overload myself at first. Again, kind of back to the original thing that we were talking about is doing it incrementally and not expecting it to be perfect right away. No. Yeah. I was just, it was really just like, the mouth would just get bigger and smaller. That's literally all I was doing. Yeah. And I would like maybe like change the eyebrow up or down, make it like angry or like change. Like I would change the face completely. Yeah. But I wasn't like doing a lot, but I was just like, okay, I'm going to have my person talk here and then talk some more and then talk here. But it was just like, this is a lot. 
even though I have things I want to say and things I like, I would want to do. Like this is also a lot. So like, would I ever go back to YouTube? Maybe, but I like I have a good job right now. Like I also got an iPad now. Wait, that, the iPad Pro? Yeah, that. Oh my god, I've been drawing so much more because of that. Oh, dude, I love it's, my iPad Pro. Dude, I draw every night. I like I don't draw every night because like sometimes I just get home. And was like tired, but like it definitely made me want to draw a lot more because now I don't have to like do the whole um, sketching on paper and then take a picture of it and then try to like you skip that step, the whole entire step, and it just gives you energy when you skip it because you just keep going and it's a whole process, it's not yeah. like a stop and go. But there is a weird aspect that that of it is that's kind of lost in a weird way. Okay, how about this? I, I always say this to a lot of my graphic design friends who do that similar process that I've done that before. The classic, yeah. draw it out, and it doesn't need to be perfect, but then you take a picture of it, and you've got your basic framework, and then yeah. you trace it all, and then add more detail and whatever, right? But there's such a great feeling of like when you start seeing your final piece for months and then all of a sudden you're going through all your old sketchbooks or something and then you find that piece and you're like seeing the old version of it. You're like, oh my God. No, I definitely, I still enjoy um, drawing on pen. Pen, just using only a pen and then just drawing the whole thing out on pen on paper. Like I have like a stack of like printer paper. Yeah. Which is kind of funny because I like I look at this and I'm like, oh wait, I just have my iPad now. I just like draw on this and like, it's gonna. I'm definitely thinking my Instagram is gonna grow a little bit more because I'm able to like be more consistent now yeah. with my art and like maybe post something at least like once a week now as opposed to like months on end. Right. So I think that's gonna help with that. I'm not, I'm like like I'm not trying to like get super like Instagram famous, but like. I like the idea of being at least consistent with that. With Dude, if you really want to get some like growth, TikTok, use that. Oh god. Dude, there's a huge artist community on it. Okay. Everybody sees the TikTok videos of like these young girls who are like fifteen, like mouthing words to like these dumb songs that are popular, <clears throat> right? Oh come on, they're young girls. They're having fun. It's the same thing like when uh, like the girls are growing I up. Just, it's just the idea of fifteen year girls. Like, I, that just makes me want to throw up. Well, I'm not trying to tell you to date them, dude. I'm saying, like, they're just young <laughs> girls having fun on the internet. Boys, we got them. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. But what? Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, I weird, understand. It's, the, it's, it's like the, Vine. It's like Vine. It's pretty much just right. new Vine. But considering you mentioned that, I do think that there there is something worth to be said. And I, I had this pointed out to me a long time ago, but, like, because I was, like, shitting on Twilight, which, honestly, I don't even fucking hate Twilight that much. I was just more, like, making a joke of it. Yeah. And my friend was saying, like, isn't it interesting that, like, whatever young girls are into, we just shit on and call it corny? <laughs> and I was like, that's actually a really valid point. Like, whenever young girls are interested in something, like One Direction, Twilight, Harry Potter, or whatever, Harry Potter's probably a lesser example. I'm like, I think that's pretty universal, Harry Potter. Right, but I think when it, like, kind of first came out, it's very directed in uh, One Direction. Not the best example, but you get my... (laughs) But you get my premise off the other things that I was mentioning. Yes. And we have this tendency to say that's really stupid or corny instead of just kind of letting... Young girls like, enjoy it, yeah. But like, whatever young Jonas brothers, but like, we don't see as much like criticism towards like you know Fast and the Furious and I don't know. This is some criticism, but people would just accept it for what it is, right? Because of how corny it is. But yeah. like, that's kind of the reason why we are 
kind of like allowed to enjoy it in a strange way. And I'm not saying nobody's like allowed to enjoy it, but I even remember experiencing this growing up, like whatever dumb thing guys were into, like even like things like jackass and stuff like that. At least that's what I grew up around. Like, and girls would be like, I don't understand why you want to watch some guy run around naked in like a supermarket parking lot or something. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, we think it's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's stupid. And it's like, but, outrageous. but the thing is that any criticism that was hurled in our direction for interest that we had wasn't as critical as then, like, if a girl's like, oh, like, uh, I'm reading, like, a Twilight book or something, guys would be like, oh, my God, you're reading a fucking story about sparkly vampires? Even just that, you know how often we heard that growing yeah. up, the sparkly vampire thing. Just Bro. diminishing this story that, and I'm just using Twilight as an example, this happens yeah. time and time again, about... Like criticizing what young girls are interested. My point is on TikTok, it's not just that. Like, I know, I know. There's an I amazing know. skateboarding community on it for one, which if you're into skateboarding and you want to watch cool skate videos, Instagram is not the place to find it. If you want to know where Skate Crunch Mag finds all their posts, it's from TikTok. They have the dopest fucking videos in there, but the artist community is also wow. And yeah. people blow the fuck up on there. My sister has like over like 20,000 followers on there. And on Instagram, she has probably like a thousand followers, but on TikTok, she has like twenty thousand. Does she like just do speed painting videos? Or? Yeah, and she does like funny videos about art and stuff. So, I'm saying like the community because it's not algorithm driven. Yeah, it's still basic hashtags like how Instagram started. Yeah, do you remember on Instagram when you used to make a if you made a dry post with no hashtags, you would get like ten likes, right? Well, I'm yeah. talking way back in Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then if you put hashtags on it, loaded it up to its max, you could come close to like 90 to 100 likes when there was no algorithm. Yeah. Because it would send it in everybody's feed. Yeah. That's a lot like how TikTok is now. So if you make a video of even you just drawing, you don't need to be in it. But like, yeah. so you don't have to worry. Like, cause like a lot of people feel weird about that. Even me, like, you know, I don't want to yeah. be the center of attention on things unless anyways. <laughs> As a man has a podcast, I don't want to be a center of attention. Well, I just don't want to bore people with the same story. I basically said that, like, I don't like being the center of attention unless I fully intend to be the center of attention. Yeah. I do it when I want to. I don't like being in a space where I have to force myself to or yeah, something. It's not natural. I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot like, when, you know, when the teacher told you to do a presentation in school. That always made me shit my pants. But... I would sign up for drama club and stuff. When I voluntarily wanted to make myself the center yeah. of attention, that was a lot different. Yeah, 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 I get that. Yeah. But anyways, yes, with art, if you wanted to, I'd suggest... I mean, dude, I post on TikTok. I post clips from the podcast on there. You're a podcast. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, okay. Maybe I won't. It's funny. You're talking about Twilight. I remember freaking... Um, Watching the trailer and like seeing the fight in the in the bat in the gym, right? So I'm like, oh, because I was living in Georgia at the time, and I was like, oh, we should watch this movie. <sighs> My poor friend and I end up watching this movie, and I'm just like, where's the fighting? Where's the fighting? And it happened in the end for like like three minutes. I'm like, I'm thinking here, it's because like Underworld came out, right? Right. So Underworld. I mean, it came out like like probably five years later before that. But Underworld came out, and I'm thinking like Blade. And I'm like, oh snap, it's gonna be vampires fighting. All right, let's do this. Me in high school thinking this. My friend and I, my friend and I was just like, what is this video? What is this? What is this movie? What have we wasted our time for? 
Honestly, I lo- call me whatever, but I love the cinematography in that movie, like the color schemes, and I, there's something about, especially the first one, like because I love those rainy environments and everything like that, like you Washington mo- State. You are a moody boy. I am a moody boy, <laughs> but I I felt like I was always drawn to like those colors and everything, yeah. those very dark tones and just it's very blue. Yeah. It's very blue. Yeah. And I, I I don't know. So I think there's there's always like a part of me. And also like the f- soundtrack from the first movie was baller. There's some good shit I, on there. I can't attest to that as yep. I do not listen to. And uh, I, I definitely don't listen to the soundtrack. Oh, me and Davon jam out to that sometimes. We talk about it. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Davon, well, because uh, I don't even necessarily. I, I remember we were talking about it once, but I just know that we were talking about Paramore specifically. I was, literally it was on my. It was Paramore, was <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And the song Decode. We were talking about that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So that's why I brought that up because I was like, who's my other homie who fucking <laughs> <laughs> loves Paramore? No, no, who gets off to the Twilight soundtrack. Oh my gosh. And also my and, and also Paul. Like Paul always says is that like has like the best soundtrack to that movie. So I feel like Paul listens to literally everything. Yeah, he kinda does. Like Paul. like li- like actually listens to everything. Yeah, probably even more so than me, even yeah. though I feel like I listen to mostly everything. Yeah, I mean, you, you came listen. in, I was listening to jazz. Yeah, yeah, you listen to a fair amount of music, but I feel like Paul like definitely like would like listen to like some German opera like coming like I'm not saying I'm not opposed to listening to it, but it'd just be in his playlist <laughs> randomly. And just like, oh, this is just this is just German opera. Yeah, that's Paul for you. <laughs> also, the thing about Paul is that he won't just listen to it, but he'll get invested in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, the amount of times that he'll show me, he's like, oh, I want to show you the song, and then he'll tell me a couple facts about it, too. Yeah. He'll be like, oh, this is like a German punk band from the South. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, dude, what? Here's their bio. <laughs> Here are their lives. Oh, yeah, Paul and I actually wrote a song. Well, I wrote, we kind of co-wrote. He did the guitar, but like, I wrote the lyrics to... Uh, it's on YouTube, actually, funny enough. And I think it's on Facebook. Uh, Hellboy. Did you like the way it came out? I, I did. I definitely, it was definitely unpolished because it was just more like cell phone recordings. Yeah. But, like, I definitely enjoyed that, doing that process with him. Do you want me to, I'll put it in for the break song. Okay, so people yeah. can listen to it. Well, especially if people mention a song that they did, I'm like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just, because I normally just cut the audio and then try to mesh it back up. But yeah, yeah. if I, I did it with the D. Dwilly podcast, so I kind of want to get in the habit of it, because, like, why the fuck not, right? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, podcasts are easy enough, because you got that 30-second skip-forward button, so... <laughs> well, I'm yeah. saying if people aren't trying to listen to music, but they're just trying to listen to a podcast, they can just skip through that. Yeah, yeah. But if not, and then they're interested in hearing it, I'd like to give them a place to do it, you know? Yeah, and it was a short song, too. But, uh, definitely. Shout out to Paul. Yeah, fuck yeah. I love Paul. <laughs> Him and his uh, musical talent. He actually got mad at me the other day because I didn't go to see his uh, his live performance. So I'm sorry, Paul, if you're listening. I wanted to go, but it was in like this basement that I've been before, and I'm incredibly claustrophobic. I bet you're like, dude, what the fuck? You're in a room that is four inches wide. <laughs> no, actually, this is pretty spacious, though. You think it's, so? I'm like, for me, it's even a little claustrophobic. Like, I get stressed working over here, but you know, I'm working within the the confines of what I've offered. Of course, I would love to knock down a wall and put a fucking addition on the house. But... Knock down a wall. I mean, this is not the worst thing. 
at all. This is definitely, I had seen worse, I experienced worse. This is not bad. Damn, how many podcasts have you been on? No, I just mean in rooms in general. Oh, <laughs> but anyways, was really like a floozy. So I went. Uh, he invited me to that basement show, and I was it, the ceilings are low. Everything's like there's pipes everywhere, and I oh, just God. I feel like I can't move comfortably. I'm like a. I mean, you're a big guy too. I'm tall. I have wide shoulders. I have long arms, and like you do lanky. And yeah, and I'm just like gumbo, gumbo. You, you know gumbo? how it feels to like not feel like you. Feel it, like if they're like a fire broke out, you're like, dude, I can't make a clean getaway. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll knock everyone down. I have a hard time going through like doors, and like my shoulder would just like hit it. I'm just like, gosh darn it, can't walk through a door. Yeah, have you ever seen like a golden retriever, especially try to like get under a deck of a house or something because they're idiots and <laughs> and because they, they think that they're smaller than they really are, especially if they just got, Yo, became. Does- yeah, doesn't all dogs like think they're the same size when they're a puppy? Yeah, yeah, they think that they're smaller than they actually are, and that's kind of how I am. I think I'm smaller, but then when I try to move around, I get frustrated on why I can't move through people <laughs> and stuff, and nah. it frustrates me. That's the only, the only reason why I like going to concerts is when I get to move around a lot, like at punk shows, because if I'm moving around a lot with like people who aren't moving, yeah, I get like. I feel like anxious, like I can't move. So long story short, I didn't go to the show because also I had other plans. And also that was the night of the debates, the uh, democratic debates yeah. in uh, St. A's. But Manchester was loaded with all these politician people, yeah. political people. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I voted today. I didn't vote. I didn't so. get around to it. No, I'm, I'm pissed. I had so much to do today. Before you came in, I actually just did another podcast. Cheating on me? Yeah. No, I did it by myself. So I, so it was masturbation, technically. Oh my gosh! I wasn't cheating on you. That explains why the room's a mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Um, um, that's why that seat was still warm when you came in, dude. Sorry to any family members that are listening. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I did the Lone Bull podcast where I just sit by myself and ramble. Yeah. And I just, I write down notes throughout my week and I just go over them all, like, of just things that, like, I've noticed or want to talk about. So, I only had, like, an hour, though, because I knew you were coming and I had to go get cigarettes. So, yes. But, um, yeah. Where were we going? Oh, the, yeah, the voting. This has been a weird election. Uh, so my views are my own views. I just want to say that. For uh, all those who are listening. I feel like mine are becoming less mine because of I've been talking about them a lot on the podcast. So we don't have to talk about it. we don't have to go deep. It's just like Oh no, I don't I don't care. I'll tell you all about mine. I don't care. People are gonna fucking end up knowing anyways, and I guarantee you I'm gonna get people pissed at me, but I don't really care. I mean people are gonna be pissed regardless. If That's what choose. I mean. So it's just like I don't wanna get into it too much, but it's just like it's just a crazy election. It's been crazy like four years. And just like the idea of like this man who like doesn't genuinely give a crap about people and people still believing that he does. And then it's just like trying to like get this, this spot of being president. And it's like, what does that even mean anymore, man? What does it even mean to be president anymore? If like, you don't even have to like, Well, of course the president has power. Yes, they do. But the thing is, is that I always like try to remind people this. 
what the president is actually supposed to be is a representation of the nation. It's supposed to be a symbol and also a thought leader to where we're at and pull us together when times are tough. And obviously Donald Trump has done none of that. But, but that's a scary thought to think that's the but, representation. But he is the representation of where we're at in the separatism and everybody hating each other and the divide. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. That's the reason why I hate him so much is because he's that symbol and he's furthered that. Instead of trying to stitch that divide against people that we we see all the time of people just blatantly hating each other yeah. for the color of their skin, their religion, where they're from, all of this shit, he yeah. emphasizes that. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't try to stitch that gap and be like, we're all Americans. We're all here together. But, it's, like, why would he? Like, he literally is a dude that, like, doesn't need to care. I don't, like I said, I don't want to get too much into it, but it's just, like. I think you and me are on the same page. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely, it definitely showed a lot of what the fears people had that were hidden during the Obama era. And there were some people that definitely had those fears and, like, those thought processes. But it was, like, like I said, it was more hidden. As opposed to it being just out in the wild and then being about and having a certain group of people being afraid that they're being eradicated. But it's like, you're not being eradicated because life is evolving. Agreed. So, like, things are going to change, but people are so afraid of this change because America wasn't built for anyone else except white men. I'm sorry that sounds radical, but, like, that's how the founding fathers, me, the Declaration of Independence was really for them. For anyone else, really. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say the... You're, I think you're thinking more of, like, the Constitution. The Probably. Declaration of Independence is... I, yeah, I'm going on a spiel about that. Yeah, but, like... Well, no, 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 no. You're right. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And Abraham Lincoln is the one who officially went, like, okay, well, we wrote these words. Yeah. And that's the whole idea. We hold these truths to be self-evident. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. basically, like, they're defining who we are as people, but yet we are blatantly disregarding what we're doing. Because it came with this whole statement in the Declaration of Independence when we said to England was basically, we are done living as slaves to this tyrannical force. Yeah. And the criticism was, and, and Benjamin Franklin also noted on this, too. He was, like, kind of like, we're not. How are we going to call ourselves slaves when we're, we're literally <laughs> enslaving people? Like, yeah. th that was kind of like the point. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, so I agree that the nation was originally devised in this intention of one direction. And throughout history, I think it would, I'd say even moreover, it was more designed for whites after they were freed. Because then there was actually the, the, the mixing. Yeah. Because yeah, then okay, they were like, okay, now we need to actually set this up for ourselves yeah. and not for them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, no, yeah, yeah. Because it, I don't think it was originally sought out to be like, we have to make this white because they were like, they're, they're, they're property. They're not actually playing a part in societal. So they weren't designing it for white. I, I, but they're definitely designing it for men. Just mainly, oh yeah, hundred percent. Mainly for men. So, what? but I'd say after they freed the slaves, that's when they were like, okay, we need to design this for white America. Yeah. Because then they were like, if well, if they're going to be free, fine. Then guess what? They can't use the same water fountains. They can't piss in the same stalls. They have yeah. to sit in the back of the bus. 
when originally it was different buses. It wasn't even the same buses. Yeah. They were like different buses altogether. They weren't allowed to perform in the same places. They were like, we're going to, even though they're part of society, we're going to make a white society and then they can just fuck off. Which is funny because now gentrification is such a thing where like you had these pretty much like these black areas where like they were prominently black and they had their own culture and lifestyle and now like, Getting bought out by other companies, just just like losing the the real value that they had. Well, yeah, that's the weird part. Like that's, I always say this. I'm always like, I like capitalism for its good parts, but its ugly parts are horrible. And I always look at gentrification as a horrible exploit of how capitalism works instead of us going in there with money and going how can we help you guys thrive with your community instead businesses buy it out we just buy it out and then rent it out to other people for really cheap because they look at as this is a shitty neighborhood i'm using air quotes by the way for people who are listening the property value will go down yeah exactly and then they bring in this is actually like a real map that I've listened to uh, entrepreneur say about revitalizing neighborhoods. That's what he calls it, revitalizing neighborhoods. He says, he says, we bring in artists, typically. Yeah. Artists, because artists are broke. They're starving. They don't have a lot of money. So we're like, would you like to live in an apartment for $200 a month? And they're like, yeah. And then they come. And artists, you know how they are, very left-leaning, very culturally sensitive, and they, they want to celebrate things. Yeah. We see this played out in, like, movies and stuff that, like, like try to encapture the idea of gentrification. You have, like, you know, a bunch of mixed culture. Yeah. Not just black, but predominantly, because it was started as black neighborhoods. Yeah. And, but many different minorities, and also just poverty in general, yeah. right? Yeah. And then they have a life system, they have a ecosystem going on there. And then they send these art students in and they're like, we're part of this too. We celebrate you. And then they just start like trying to latch onto it. And they're like, yo, we appreciate that you appreciate us, but like, you're not really here. You're (laughs) just, you don't get hit by uh, like a fire hose. Yeah. Like you don't have the, the generations of suffering in this area that, you know, the walls speak around here Yeah, and they have, (laughs) If these walls can talk. Yeah, exactly. That that idea. And they're kind of like, well, you know, I, I appreciate that you're coming here and trying to make some art and everything, but you don't really get it. Yeah. You don't really get it, Clarence. <laughs> Clarence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look here, Greg. Yeah, exactly. But so, so, yeah. Yeah, they lose, and that's where gentrification starts because the artists come in and raise the value because they're making art and starting stupid coffee shops and everything. And then... The, the landlords jack the prices because they know that they can make more money off people coming in whenever yeah. time a tenant moves out. But when prices go up, that often kicks out impoverished people out of yeah. those neighborhoods. And then they have nowhere to go because that's the cheapest place to live in town. Yeah. And it's really fucking sad because then you also get dissipation of culture that has grown in those areas. Been there for years. Yeah. When you were talking about, like, I guess the artists, it made me think about other artists. Did you hear about the whole Billie Eilish thing? She pretty much was, like, talking about how uh, rap, or, like, most, air quote, most rap doesn't have stories. And I was just like, I was like, and here's another person that just, like, isn't really part of the culture, but is taking things from the culture, and then you're going to say something about the culture that you take things from. Yes, I did hear that story, and I have 
a couple. I actually never even talked about this, so thank you for bringing this up. To be honest, <laughs> listen, I like Billie Eilish. I do. I like her music. I but, had but, but, a lot more respect for her before that happened. Well, here's the thing. For one, she's really young. I did think she's a kid. I was like, that she's is... a kid and she's dumb. And we've, we've seen this play out time and time again. And I believe that there was a little bit more context to what she was saying. Listen, I, I think it was fucking stupid, too. Because like, no one asked her either. It wasn't even like something that she brought it up herself. And I actually saw Anthony Fantano's video on this when he was talking about, he was like, you know, it, the whole idea of posturing in music. She was basically saying that she's like, I have friends who are rappers who rap about having an AK. She's like, but I know them. They don't have an AK. And it, and then he's like, yeah, he made a good point. I just want to give him credit where it's due. He was yeah. like, he's like, yeah, but on your album cover, you, you know, you're, you're looked at like a demonic girl in these like sheet, like dress laying on a bed or sitting on the side of a bed, yeah. looking like a demon. And you have the song, like I'm the bad guy. And he goes, we know you're just some young girl who likes like TikTok and being funny <laughs> yeah. and just, you're very bashful and you just, you know, you're at that awkward phase. And he goes, but nobody's going to accuse you of being like, what? you're not like a bad person. You're not this. And it is weird how young people have this. And it seems primarily aimed at rap, almost always, hip hop. Yeah. It. It's it always, is. you're lying. You don't really live that lifestyle. In fact, I only have one friend ever who has ever made this argument about anybody else. But one of my friends hates Johnny Cash because he's like, I'm like, why do you hate Johnny Cash? He's awesome. And he goes, he never went to jail. He always tells everybody he went to jail, but he never went to jail. <laughs> and he's like, in all his songs, he's like, I spent my time in prison. And they like, and he's like, and he killed people. He never killed anybody. And he's like, he's a liar. And I'm like, that's the persona. I'm like, what? but you don't get mad at Leonardo DiCaprio. He never actually went on the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess the argument for that is that like he's signing, you know what he's signing up for as like an actor that like, you know that. And when it comes to like. So when somebody else writes, it's okay, I guess. No, I'm not. I don't have a problem. No, 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 no. We're, yeah, no, we're, no, we're yeah, pl- yeah. It's his point of view. I guess it's, you're trying to come off as genuine, as this is a genuine you. As opposed to you having, making it known this is a persona. Like wrestling, right? When you go to wrestling, nowadays you know that this is a person's persona most of the time, right? You know, this is just a person's persona and how they are outside of the ring is something different. But back in the day, kayfabe is a thing like how people perceive it to be real, right? So like when a heel, a bad guy, or a baby face a good guy, um, they would have to keep up that persona as if it was real life. So, like, Hulk Hogan, he turned, like, heel on uh, WCW. And he goes to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. What does heel mean? Heel bad guy. So, Hulk Hogan has been, like, the baby face. He's been the good guy with the orange and yellow. And, like, this is American. So, turned heel means turned bad. Yeah. Like, in the, the realm of Yeah, in the realm, wrestl- the realm wrestling. Okay. Yeah, you, you I just turn- wanted to clarify. Yeah. I wasn't really sure, but I also wanted to clarify. Continue. Yeah. So, um, when he turned heel, people honestly hated him. Because it's just like, now you just turned your back and everything. And, like, people still hate heels now. But, like, understand that this is part of, like, a persona. Right? This is not who they all are. There's dimensions to this. 
And also, I think it's also worth noting, whenever you hate something, it actually becomes more popular, too. Hating yeah. something is kind of like a... I think it's it, it comes actually kind of back where we were talking about like with the Twilight thing. When you hate something, it's like because it's popular, because it's it, it becomes you interesting. Give, you give energy to it. That's why I don't like I don't like I don't, I don't like things, but I don't hate things because you give energy to it. Right. You give you give life to it when you hate something. So I don't hate anyone. I may not like people, but I'm not gonna hate anyone because that's gonna give. Why am I give them that energy? Well, I hate the idea of people. I don't actually hate them. I always say this. Unless I know, I don't hate anybody because everybody I know on a personal level, I realize that there's the duality of man, right? And I mean, that obviously encompasses women too. But it's the the thought. Of humans. Yeah. Like we're not one, we're not in a box. We're not one dimensional. But the ideology is the duality of man. Meaning the the fact that a man can swing both ways in his lifetime. And on even on a day-to-day basis, even in the same hour. You could do something really kind in an hour, but you could also do something horrible. Yeah, in a lot of cases, um, I like to think that sometimes some people are just like a good, a great friend, but a terrible father, right? Right, yeah, yeah, so you're hitting it on that. Yeah, so it can just be like, uh, not going to apply to anything. You could be a great worker, but like a terrible like human, like a terrible like person to be around. So there's always, there's always... There's always dimensions to people. Right. That's why I always claim, like, I hate something about somebody or something that they, they may represent. But I don't necessarily hate the person because I'm like, I, I, I don't have the time to yeah. watch every aspect of your life. Like, you know, if you save, like, okay, put it this way. This, yeah. This horrible man, horrible man. The, what's, like, one of the worst things somebody could be? A fucking a Nazi, right? Like a neo-Nazi, right? Yeah. Fucking horrible. I hate everything about that. I want to come close to hating the guy, but maybe last year some girl fell off a bridge or something, like a five-year-old girl, and he jumped in and saved her. And it's like, I don't hate that specific thing that you did. You saved somebody. I can't hate that. And I I realize that's not really what people mean when they say they hate somebody, but it kind of is. People are complex. Yes. Human beings are complex creatures that we uh, definitely have a lot of evolving and growing. Like right. when it comes to um, even like dating itself, right? When Ooh, it comes yeah, to that, yeah. uh, the whole idea of uh, monogamy is just really something human made, because society made. So monogamy is really more like a Catholic thing, and like more like it's more a thing about like two people coming together for power and stuff like that, or like trying to get like get different goods from the other family. But it's not. It was never really like. Oh, these two people just love each other now. They just want to be together forever. It was. It wasn't. This, that wasn't the thought process. It just became that. We're just like, oh, we're gonna be alone. You and me together forever. And now there's open relationships and like poly. So now it's kind of like, can a person have it all? Can a person possibly have multiple partners? Can a person like can they make that work? Can they not make it work? Can a person just like just wants the sexual gratification? just being with other people but only mentally or emotionally be with one person i think there's there's a couple jumping off points there for instance i think one love we misconstrued it for an idea that means monogamy so yeah. for instance like i love you i yeah. do you're you a good friend me. of mine and i like spending time with you i get excited to be around you yeah same way i feel about rob 
Same way I also feel about a girl I like. When I see a person I love, yeah, I get excited over the idea of spending time with them. But just kind of like all things in life, when you when you have something that you love, but you do it in excess, think your favorite video game. You play it for hours and hours and hours. Eventually, at one point, your brain just kind of gets used to it. And you pop it in even years later after you stop playing it. And then you play it for like 10 minutes and you're just as bored with it. It's almost like you've learned because you've overindulged in that obsession and I'm not saying people are just as worthless as video games people are ever changing which is why relationships are actually more built to last but maybe not in a monogamous way the thing is we put a lot of we put so much stock like your favorite video game you put so much stock and time into one individual person that you can kind of learn their behaviors and learn who they are to such a high extent that you can become sick of them and you're almost kind of like getting drunk on them in a way because in the original human existence, when we're in smaller cultures, it was it's very well known and documented that the way humans worked was multiple guys would fuck multiple women and multiple women would fuck multiple guys. And everybody would kind of fuck each other because then you wouldn't know whose kids are yours. And yeah, then as a community. Take care of, you the whole community take care of all the kids like they're their own. Yeah, like, and there would be that same loving relationship that like I have towards you would be the same thing towards like a woman. Except for when it came to getting intimate, because for me, I'm straight. So yeah. I would only be able to be intimate with a woman because that's the only thing that would interest me in that way. Yeah. But there's no reason why I can't love you to the same extent that I love a woman in that tribe or in that collection of human beings. I shouldn't necessarily say tribe. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. No, yeah. And then you work together as a community to raise a group sure of people. And I think we've associated monogamy with the idea of we don't have that community anymore. So we look for it in a household by creating a small community within us. No, yeah. yeah. And I, I think you're right, basically is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think you I think you hit it on the head. I just kind of wanted to elaborate those thoughts that I had about it. Yeah. I definitely think that monogamy, there's nothing wrong with it. Or at least there's nothing wrong with wanting to be one person. I think that people definitely change. I definitely listen to a different podcast about love and stuff. I think that a person is growing. The person you met at 20 isn't going to be the same person you, you they're going to be at 40. Okay. Hope, hopefully. Like, that would be scary. Yeah, that's but, the goal. <laughs> yeah, so that's... <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, like, the, a, a person could definitely change and grow, and then you have to learn that whole new person. So there definitely is ways that... Our relationship can evolve, even through monogamy. But there's always people, capabilities of love is different. So I think more so that it's not about we just discredit monogamy, but we definitely need to be more open to letting the people who want to, like, have multiple lovers, let them just do them. Just like accept that, cause like I like I don't see, like if you want to be with this person forever, fine. But like also don't put the weight upon yourself as well. To like I have to get married, or I have to be with this one person, cause that's what society tells me to. Do. I think that's one of the I think that's one of the biggest tricks to being in a long term relationship. It's not putting the pressure on the person that we are in this for the long haul. I've always said this. My biggest turnoff with a girl is when she's like. Like, she's like, you know, 
what's your plans for a relationship? And I'm like, just wherever the wind takes me. Yeah. And they'll be like, well, aren't you trying to date for like the long haul? And I'm like, no, no, not at all. I'm, I'm trying to date to find somebody that I like. Yeah. That's why I'm dating. Yeah. I'm not dating because I'm trying to put the pressure on you. But you need to fix all your problems and I need to fix all my problems so we can make this work forever just because we're attracted to each other. Fuck that. No, I'm trying to get to know other people and see who maybe I have the longest chance with. But yeah. also, no pressure. You know, we could date each other for 10 years. Maybe raise a couple of kids together. Maybe everything's good. And then maybe 10 years later, all of a sudden, you realize, like, maybe we realize that we've changed and we want to go do something. Maybe I want to go travel the world. Maybe she wants to uh, move to an inner city and help with, like, a social program or something. Maybe that's what her calling is and my calling is different. And maybe we make it work in some kind of way because maybe we're not hypersexual or something and we're okay with a long-distance relationship and I do that and she does yeah. that. But who knows? But the pressure to keep on yourself that this person is for life is, at least to me, terrifying. I think there are definitely weddings in the way that society has built love. has definitely It's definitely a scary thought, and it's always that construction of time that we've been put in, and still in us since kindergarten, right? What are you going to do when you grow up? Who are you going to be when you grow up? And not always letting people just be a kid. Because it's like, yeah, you have to make sure that the person, like the person, is a good person. You obviously want to make sure you that want them they, to develop. Yeah, but um, like one of the things is one of the most daunting things is like for men is like one of the first things you hear when you're so little is like you gotta be this way, like like be a man. I'm eight. Let me be eight, <laughs> like. And, like, you don't... Teach me the fundamentals of being a man. Don't tell me to be a man, because I don't know how. Or just teach you the fundamentals of being a good person. That's all that really matters. But that's... I, I think that should be equated to being a man. I think that, like... Yes, obviously, women should learn that, too, but... I don't think there's any shame in telling somebody, like, you know, being a man is not, it's not about owning a truck and shaving and, and building a birdhouse out of wood. No, being a man, being a man means being good, being morally ethical and correct and leading with honor. And there's no reason why being a woman shouldn't also be tested to, or being a they, or being trans. Like, nothing's wrong with that. But I guess these are the, it's the troublesome idea for me is it's the idea of being a man, how the pressure of that and same thing with women, the pressure of being a woman, like you they're like what, they get easy pick ovens since they're like seven. They get Yeah, I'd argue dolls. women have more pressure than men. Yeah. And unlike us, it's like we don't know how to handle our emotions. No, real just a side note, just so I don't lose this real quick, and I don't yeah. want to cut you off. I want you to continue because I yeah. really am interested. But one of the things about men, about um, the idea of us taking on that pressure of like hearing you need to be a man, it really only starts to plague us when we're not getting fucked. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not joking. No, I understand. What you, but I, like I the thing is, like for girls, even if they're not trying to fuck, they get plagued with it just for walking down the street. The only time that we feel like there's a pressure on us to be a man and to be assertive and to be an alpha 
that whole idea yeah. is when we start having the pressure internally of us not getting fucked. And then we see commercials, we see movies, and we see how men are supposed to be the cigarette hanging out of their mouth, the hair slicked back, and fucking taking charge. That's when that internal pressure starts coming in. That's why I think depression in men is so strange because it's not that forefront. Women have it all throughout their lives, and that's horrible. Men start to throw it on themselves when they're not getting the things that are supposed to be promised out of those things that were taught from a young age. And it, it's scary to me because I'm like, for one, it's scary to know that we have that like kind of internal pressure kind of taught to us as young men, yeah. boys. But then it's even scarier to think like, fuck women have that just walking down the street for not even trying to fuck. Yeah. Just trying to be themselves. And they're like, smile, sweetheart. You know, like, wow, you look really tired. Oh, I'm just not wearing makeup. Oh, Okay. Or like, do you know what I mean? Like all these yeah. things that like are uh, associated with being women. They're, 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 uh, they are held to a higher standard. A different standard, I'd say. I'd say that <clears throat> the things that they taught young men, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a higher standard because like you see a lot of men killing themselves and being depressed. I don't, I don't want to, I don't know. Well, I'm going to put it that, that, but I don't want to play the, play, <clears throat> the, the pain, pain Olympics with okay, it. The pain Olympics. Because I think we all suffer yes. in different ways. But I, I think within realizing the way that men suffer in that way, when you feel like you are unformidable, you, you don't feel like a real leader of being a guy in what ways, that same pain that you feel, maybe in a different way, but that same kind of constant nagging that is going on in your brain, girls are getting that constant nagging on the streets. Do you get what I mean? No, so I understand that. So to go more off that, there's a podcast that I listen to that I definitely give you the link to, and it talks about uh, talking about men and women, and talk about how um, how just like the suicide rate for men being older and like the, like is is high because especially now we're now just learning how that men can be intimate with another man and not be homophobic about it right it's oh, just yeah. like it's like now it's becoming more of a thing where like i can give you a hug and it's not like i have to say no homo dude like I dude, say, you've seen me at parties i kiss my friends on the lips all the fucking time he doesn't not kiss me you've that's never not, asked that's, that's, that's not for me <laughs> dude, no, no 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 you know why because you walk around saying i want to eat ass and i'm like yo yo, yo. i'll all, kiss you but <laughs> <laughs> no, i'm just fucking man oh um, fucking around but um <laughs> It's the idea, like, so men don't know how to express their emotions. So they always have to, like, you can't, like, you can't cry. You're not allowed to cry. Especially more in the olden days. The olden days, like, in the 50s, like, in the 40s. And, like, a, a man can't express his emotions. And men don't have the friends to talk about. So, like, when they get married and they're older and, like, their only emotional outlet is their wife. So if they were to get divorced, they like, the suicide is higher because they don't have many friends they don't have many people to just be emotional about with that is true so it's just like we have to learn how to like be emotional and the whole idea when i was talking about earlier about like how to be a man it's like i i guess it's hard because you don't want to necessarily put somebody in that box already right because somebody sometimes in the future like what does it mean to be a man like, you usually think of, oh, I'm a good provider, I'm a leader, I'm this, I'm that. 
But like women can be that too. So the thing, the same skills that you can teach a man how to be, teach a, a woman how to be, and the same skills you teach a woman how to be, teach a man how to be. So I want to like, I like the idea of just, let's just start off being being a good person, and then let them. We can be influences on what they would do, right? So like, my father likes to watch um, martial arts movies. I picked that up from him. That's an influence, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that has that has to be a thing for me to do. Right. Right. Well, I think uh, I think one of the biggest things is the whole idea of gatekeeping. The whole idea of even just from like a young age, like if a little girl wants to pick up a Tonka truck, her parents are like, get out of the sandbox. Come play yeah. with your dolls. Now, I mean, I realize it's a stereotype of like a criticism that we have, but obviously those things actually exist. We yeah. know they do. Yeah. But I think it's the not kid's necessarily. on a dress and then like, like he just wants to put on a dress because he thinks it's pretty. But now you're like, oh, don't do that because like you gay. And it's like. No, he just wants to put on a dress because he's a kid. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's just about we we should just not discriminate and teach everybody the same. Like, and we should just teach them how to be leaders, how to be a good person. Very, very life economics. Yeah. Like, just basic, not even spiritual, but you know what I mean. Like, the yeah. ethics of the core, that little fire that burns inside yeah. you. We should blow on that for everyone so it grows bigger. Yeah. But... And whichever way people go, because the thing is, is that you hear all these fucking guys, especially like conservative guys that say like, well, you know, women are just naturally more homekeepers. Like that's what they are. And it's like, maybe, but what studies do we really have to show for that? Because we've, we've been such an influential society on this is women's roles in this and that and this. And same with men, like this is their roles that... If we just broke down those walls, then maybe yeah. we could actually see some real results. You don't know for sure yeah. which role people would actually prefer to take. It may be just as 50-50, like 50% of men go do I this, mean, you, 50% you, of men go and do this, 50% of girls go do this, 50% of girls go do this. It might be split right down the middle, or it might not, but that's okay. But and if you look at like Native Americans, right, they always seem like the roles are like... Almost reversed. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like it worked out perfectly. It was just like everyone was generally happy. People were like a community doing their own thing. But it didn't really matter. It was like this is the role that you have. But this is this is like it's it's complex, right? It's always it was always a complex thing. I always think about that. Do you think the Native Americans were actually happy? And I'm not saying this like on like a way of like yeah. Oh, because they lived in the woods and whatever. Like, that must have been miserable. I'm saying, do we look at happiness or do we look at practicality or, like, you know, like, this is functional? Yeah. Because, like, one of the things that I often think about is is that is because, like, we – like, because we're human beings, right? Yeah. We're an organism. And an, a, a job of an organism is not to be happy that's it's it's human emotion yeah it's about being functional and survival yeah functional though like you are going to breed and then continue on your gene your genes and survive yeah you're right and i always wonder i'm like where do you think they were like happy people i mean obviously culture indicates happiness to some extent yeah. but they've also found native american tribes where there wasn't a lot of culture or or belief systems i was gonna say religion but it's not really religion it's more of a belief system 
and they were doing it almost like on survival. And I'm not saying that it's like, oh, they're savages. They're 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 unevolved. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, do you think that equates to happiness? Like when you are surviving, put it this way. You know how like they say, if you lay on the couch and you do nothing but watch Netflix all day. Yeah. You are naturally going to test lower in happiness. You feel more miserable because you weren't being functional. Yeah. You were just laying around like an oaf. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've done it before. I think everybody has, right? You no, spend like yeah. seven hours just like watching a Netflix series. And then you're like, I was so interested and happy watching this, but I feel miserable. So a lot of things can also be, uh, as you say, equated. And it can be equated to the moment, equated for a lifetime, equated for like years. I think that. I think happiness is it's obviously uh, it's easy to say it's such a broad thing because it is a broad thing, right? But it's more like I guess there is a functionality to the tribes, right? There that they had. So do you mean it's relative? Yeah, but like also like basically the way I look at it. Let me let me just wrap this up real quick, and then I want to hear your thoughts on yeah. it. I, I want I want to say. I th- I would argue that they were probably happier, but not because of some connection with nature. Now, I don't know this for sure. I'm speculating. Yeah. But not from, like, some weird uh, Western idea of, uh, like, oh, they're connected with nature. They had respect for animals. You know how, like, we like to kind of, like, explain that away? Yeah. You, you, we hear it all the time. Disney, like, Disney eyes. But I would argue it's because of their... They do, they're they not going off of comfort. And mind you, I could be a fucking idiot. Somebody could be listening to this that knows way more about Native Americans than I do. Yeah, of And course. I could be a fucking we're not, idiot. We're not, we're not experts. So yeah, 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 yeah. But I would argue because everybody felt like they had a role, including men, women, children, everybody felt like they had some kind of function in society. Yeah. And everybody was kind of like in this together, even ones without belief systems that were more... Uh, warlike people, they still knew their function and what they had to do. And I feel like oftentimes in uh, like European culture, because that's what expanded over to America. Yeah. Because of that lackadaisical way of looking at life where you could just be lazy and oaf around, that's where unhappiness comes from. And that's actually where a lot of invention comes from is being unhappy one way and then unhappy and then unhappy and then unhappy and always trying to invent something that's going to bring some sort of happiness. Yeah. But that's not where human heart and brain comes from. Like the way that we're wired naturally is to functionally work together as human beings and live. Yeah. I, I don't know. I always found that really interesting because you know that that fucking are well not the the fucking argument because I don't think anybody makes this fucking argument anymore. <laughs> but you know, like and obviously in Pocahontas we hear like they're savages, like they're not evolved, like they like our great worlds were bringing to them like beds and tents and you, you know yeah. like they're trying to explain why their world is advanced, but it's maybe it actually advanced in the wrong way. Like, you know what I mean? Maybe we, yeah. because of the human brain, we took advantage over the fact that when we're miserable, we try to make things easier. Yeah. Because we don't want to suffer. Yeah. And because of we don't want to suffer, 
we actually made more suffering and it's a human cyclical thing. Yeah. That maybe humanity actually is just a lot happier just doing the basic essentials of surviving because we always feel really happy that way. Yeah, yeah. You know what Like when you're even just cooking in your kitchen, you feel good, don't you? Yeah, I enjoy cooking. Like, because you're like, yeah. you're making something and you're making something <laughs> to eat up. Dance. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, no, no, yeah, yeah. When you're doing the basic uh, essentials for surviving, it, there's something just so powerful about it. And I feel like a lot of people explain that when they like talk about like camping, even. Yeah. Being disconnected. And just actually having to those little minor aches and pains of like when you woke up because you kind of slept on a rock, kind of funny on the ground, yeah. And you're kind of like, but you kind of earned it. <laughs> you kind of earned it. And you kind of learned a little something, you yeah. know. Like I, I just I always found that super interesting. And because you brought it up, I had a jumping off point, and yeah, I didn't yeah. mean to kind of go off <laughs> on a thing, but I thought it was interesting, and that's why I wanted to know your point of view, and I just wanted to elaborate it on a little more. Yeah. So some of the things you definitely brought up was uh, diagnosis community. That's definitely uh, a thing about that. So there's a community where people rely on each other. So I guess it's like the purest form of what people would call now socialism, right? The purest form of like, no, no, I can obviously be wrong about that, but like it's just more pure form of just like everyone's doing their thing and everyone's contributing to this overall one train, right? We're all community. We all have love for each other. We all have these different uh, things that we do. So, like, the advancements, but it's also kind of funny how you say, we say, like, oh, these advancements, but now what, nowadays people are going vegan, like, right? People are, like, trying to go back to, like, the whole organic movement. Like, there's a way where, like, both could be intertwined to, like, this, these, these are things, these uh, ideas of just, like, Going back to nature, I know when I pray over my food, I like I think the earth and I think the animals as well, and like nature and just the earth itself is just like this is a living being, is a living being that we live on, and it's just the idea of like respecting that and like thinking that, and then like also thinking the people around you that is part of this community, that everyone's doing their roles because uh, communities is a wonderful thing to have, to be able to like understand the other person even like like clicks the whole thing about that is having a community within this this larger community not feeling alone yeah not feeling alone not wanting to like be an outsider so even the point where the outsiders all join and become the outsiders because that's become a click so a lot of um a lot of that what you're speaking about was about happiness and now the functionality is also a thing because of the part of the community it's all part of like a rolling, um, like a like a windmill or like a. Uh, what I'm trying to think of you know, just say it. No, I'm just trying to think about what I'm saying because I envision like like a water a water mill I water guess wheel. Yeah. water wheel right in a river yep everyone's everyone doing their job but like I think the thing with Western culture is that money was also involved. So when you think back to Indians, I don't believe money. I, I like I said, I could be wrong, but I don't believe money was such an important thing. Well, it wasn't because what you earned by going out and doing something was for everyone. Gather, yeah, it's it for was, everyone, and that was a good feeling because what you would be paid in is your contribution. Yeah. People acknowledging your contribution. 
Yeah, you were a hunter, but that being a hunter doesn't mean you have to be a man or a woman. It just means you're a hunter. Right. So if you went out and killed a deer and you were dragging it back, right, to your yeah. people, it's not like you'd be like, oh, I can't wait to get 50 bucks for this. It was, I can't wait for everybody to appreciate what I'm bringing back. Because yeah. you're acknowledged as... The hunter. Yes. Yeah. So Or being valuable, even. Just being simply valuable. And that's generally what usually humans want, man, is just to feel loved and to be valued. Yes. And then, it's like, the core of what we are, and like that's why we are social creatures. Like, we can also like be away for like six months, but like that's not always the best thing because like social um, solitary confinement definitely proves that like a person's alone with the thoughts, they go mad. Yeah, we are very social. Where like, even if you're like antisocial, you still Jesus still had like three good friends. Like, like he had his main group, but like. You and Jesus had, like, three good friends. Like, yeah. you don't have to, like, you don't need the whole world to be your friend. But yeah, you just and Ed and Nettie, like, dude, come on. Ed and Nettie. Come on, come on, Jesus, let's get some job breakers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, to go back with um, that, it's a uh, sense of community and a sense of uh, everyone's doing their part and just loving each other. But then the money, the, vol- the involvement of money, but like you said, the Western culture didn't have kingdoms, and like yeah, Indians had like chiefs and stuff. But like it wasn't as like as like heavily thing, uh, heavily a thing as was the Western culture, where it's like a king, prince, the jesters, the knights, the squanders, uh, squanders, the squires, like that. Where like the divide became so big between like society and like these kingdoms, and that's even the thing now where like. The rich, who really needs a million dollars, like a billion dollars? Who really needs that much money? People who want to control the government. <laughs> I mean, like, if you want the honest answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, People that's always what, say that, like, well, well, like, what the fuck are you going to do with all that money? Uh, control the government? No. To I'm, make more money? I mean, <laughs> And like, to get your friends rich? And to get your family rich? Yeah, that's what that's what it's made for. The, I mean, like, um, crap, the guy... In the Daily Show, the Patriot Act, he talked about that. Uh, like, Bill Gates pretty much like made this thing happen, and it was just, like, it was a good thing, but it was also kind of scary how like he just made this thing happen because he had all this money, and this is like the idea of people can do that. Bill Gates is the least scary one out of all the billionaires. I will yeah. say that if you like read into like his philanthropy, like the have you ever heard of the the foundation that he set up that he's making billionaires, other billionaires pledge to give away their money after they die. So after they die, their money goes all to a charity. doesn't get passed down through their families. That's crazy. Yeah. And he has like over a hundred billionaires set up. I mean, I'm a millionaires and billionaires yeah. on that list. And one of the interesting things is he actually approached Donald Trump about it and Donald Trump denied wanting to get involved. This was like 10 years ago, but yeah. this is like a real thing that he does. And he's like pledged all his money away. Obviously, I'm sure he's giving like the average, you know, life inherent, like $100,000 to his kids. But like, it's not like, here's my 300 million split five ways through my family. Yeah. It's not that. It's yeah. not like you are set for life. It's like, here's my life insurance, basically what yeah. an average family would get, and then you're going to continue on with that. Or and, you're already making your own money regardless, so you don't need that. Right. 
it's basically to keep money from being legacy. That's yeah. what his, the idea of the foundation is. From everything I remember, I read about it. I'm yeah, sure yeah. somebody's like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. It's actually this. Well, if it is, fucking send me an email. My email <laughs> is torusbread at gmail.com. I keep telling people, email me. If I'm saying something wrong, I want to know. Yeah. That's yeah. how you learn. Yeah. And then to bring back about the idea of suffering, right? Because it. You wouldn't be able to grow as much. You don't. You can't grow unless you're comfortable. Uncomfortable. You have to like. That's when you really learn about things. It's even like simple as trying a new restaurant, right? You don't know what the menu's like. You don't know if you're gonna like the food or not. But you're gonna grow from that experience because you gotta know. I don't want to come back here again. But you gotta at least do it a couple of times. But you gotta at least definitely know that like this isn't for me, and that I experienced that. I could take a page out of that book, dude. <laughs> I could. But it's hard. It's hard. Cause Growth is hard. It, it's, it's hard to put yourself through suffering. I know for me, it's always hard to like work out because the initial idea is I have to beat up my body in order for it to grow and repair itself to grow. When I'm in the middle of it, it's hard. But like the Lord. results... Do you show that it's there? You put it in the work, you'll get results. And that also has to do with like food, right? You're going on this diet, you're suffering because you're not being able to get the, I can't just randomly eat a candy bar when I want, right? So you have to give something up, but then you grow through that. Now, I'm not saying. Sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to like throw Become homeless in order to grow. I'm not saying that at all. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. I, I've I've heard that before. They're like, instead of being... Because oftentimes people say, like, you need to be addicted to the reward of doing something. Yeah. Like a lot of motivational speakers. But I've heard other ones say, it's more being addicted to the sacrifice. Yeah. Because the reward wears off. Once you get it, once you get that bod how you want, or you get that smile that you want from doing, like, braces or brushing your teeth. Yeah. Once you get that thing... Just like anything, once you you know when you finally get that new phone upgrade, yeah. and then after like a week you don't even notice you have it. Like you have that new phone, that new amazing phone with the camera, but then yeah. a week later it's just your phone. It's not anything special. It's kind of the same thing when when you finally obtain something, you kind of get used to it. So it's more about being addicted to the sacrifice, the thing that you give up to maintain that reward. So. For instance, like earlier today, mind you, remember how I said like I didn't go vote? Yeah. On my most recent podcast, I was talking about how, you know, I don't really enjoy doing these solo podcasts until I actually start doing it. Yeah. But the sacrifice comes in of having to sit down, having to make that time yeah. to do it. But then the reward is it pays off. But I'm trying not to get attached to the reward because the reward will nullify. That'll go away. The yeah. sacrifice will always be hard. And yeah. I need to get addicted to the sacrifice of doing it. Even a little sacrifice, like for me, I knew I had to like leave my house earlier today so I can go vote. I had to like, I wouldn't say I had to wake up, but I had to like, I couldn't just rest at home and take my leisurely time with it because I knew I had to get to work. So even that, like, doing little things like that are, like, it's hard, like I said. It's because discipline. It's because survival. We don't want to be 
uncomfortable. We want to be comfortable. But that's just a, a like a normal yeah. thing. And it's it's something wrong with um having a lazy day. If you've been working like six days a week, your body needs to rest. You've been working five days a week, your body need it has to rest. I know some people don't like to like say they don't like to sleep. Your body has to rest. You have to like decompress at some point. But you can't stay at that decompressed state. Because then A, it doesn't feel as good when you finally get to decompress. When you finally get to have that lazy day where I could just like scratch my armpits. Because I said something else. But you can (laughs) can just uh, scratch your your stomach and just watch Netflix. Would you, uh, curious to jump off from that. Okay. I, I like what you were saying. I just, uh, I'm curious. Do you think that uh, people would need less breaks from work if it was something that they totally admired doing? So, like, for instance, what we were saying, like, when yeah. you go get the deer from the woods and you're bringing yeah. it back for admiration and food for everyone, that may require less rest because in reality, to get two hours to go get that deer, let's say it was, right? Yeah. And now people get to eat for a week or whatever in your area. It's... Less work, but it's also more worthy work. That even if you were doing a lot, I feel like when you're getting filled up and you can see the advancements, but when you're working for a company, let's say you're delivering pizzas, what do you do for work? Um, right now I'm a uh, missions counselor. Well, that's a little different because you're actually, you get to see your your your, yeah, so your efforts yeah. put in. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. I, I guess like what I'm saying is like at Home Depot, when you're a sales rep, right? You're trying to get somebody to buy a sheet of plywood. It's like... Yeah, I get. I got the sales for them, but I don't really see how this is advancing anything or making anybody more comfortable. So you get dis- disconnected. So that work feels a lot more uh, taxing on you. Yeah. So as opposed to my job, where like there are definitely stories that I heard, or like people just trying to better their lives, and like I, am like the first step in like helping them better their lives. So it's, it is a rewarding job. So I guess you pretty much answered it. Is that like it, it's not true like well what well, what you're saying is like i love my work and i'm i'm seeing what i'm doing and it's yeah. admirable yeah and i still need that day of rest so you, yeah you you're a human being you are a living organism that has so many different parts going in and out at the same time right mm-hmm. you need rest so your body can repair itself when you're working out or when you're doing weightlifting you need that rest so your body can then Stitch together your muscles. Yes. Yeah. So, like, the idea, which is, like, funny, because, like, because most of the time, honestly, you can enjoy that one part of ice cream. You can enjoy it. But, like, maybe not have it all at once. Or maybe have it, like, once every two months. Are you talking about one bite of ice cream? One pint. Pint. Oh, they said one bite. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to have it all at once? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, like, I'm, I'm Kurt, a monster. Kurt's over here. He's got a spoon of ice cream next to his bed that he licks a little bit every hour. <laughs> I, I just I have that wooden spoon thing from school. Yeah, <laughs> I have, like, the wooden, yeah, yeah. the wooden plank thing. I just have that. I can't oh, even... Dude, those things are awful. Oh, my... It tasted weird, Oh, too. my God. That's so fucking funny. That's just this one <laughs> spoon of ice cream. But, like, everything in moderation. Yeah. That's really the the key thing when it comes to, like, living. And I feel... I That's what at least I believe. I feel like you have to every day rest. Even, like, you're 19. You're going to be a little stupid. You're going to be a little crazy. You might say some things that you're going to regret in the future. But don't go full crazy. Right? 
Because at that point, you're either going to burn yourself out and do something you're going to totally regret or just like, God forbid, worse. Right? Yeah. I mean, so, the only people who don't think 19-year-olds are stupid are 19-year-olds. I mean, of course. Because, like, <laughs> it's, which is always, this is always another thing, right? When, like, we're like, I'm 28 now. And I'm, like, looking at a 19-year-old. I'm just like, baby girl, baby boy, you don't even know yet. Because, like, you're not, they're technically not even, dude, they're still a teenager. About, that's how I feel about 21-year-olds, dude. I'm like, you were just getting able to go into a bar. There was a lot of buildings and towns that you weren't not allowed to go <laughs> or into. you had to sneak into and, like, drink at home with your friends. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you just had a whole new world open up to you of possibilities. And you have a lot to learn now with that. And I'm not even, I'm, I bet you by the time I get to 30, I'm going to be like, fucking 25-year-olds are dumb as shit. I guarantee. Yeah. Because yeah. that means you're progressing. Yeah, because definitely. Um, so it's funny when like. Sorry if you're 21 or 19. <laughs> I mean, don't be sorry. You don't. I think important thing. No, no, no. I, I, but yeah, I'm not talking. No, no, yeah, but we you're all. dumb as it. shit, but that's okay. I was dumb as shit too when I was 19. I'm sure Kurt was too. Because I, all 19 year olds are dumb. I was the dumbest, but I definitely did some dumb things. I might have been the dumbest. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely believe that. You you guys in a town all by yourselves and nothing to do. Dude, we used to steal traffic cones. Oh, my gosh. That's what we did. Oh, wild. But, um, yeah, progression through there. But, like, you have to, we talked about a lot. You have to, you have definitely have to suffer. Moderation is definitely a thing. No, I'm not saying, like. You need to be, I need to do evil things in moderation. I say that. <laughs> I only need to kill people in moderation, is what you're saying. No. Just, just one murder a week. That's it. You don't, need to, you don't need to do one every day. Just once a week. Moderation. <laughs> <laughs> the one takeaway someone gets from this. Yeah, right? They're oh, like, man. oh. And then they're like, they're like, local serial killer went from killing once a day to once a week. Moderation. <laughs> moderation. But, um. Yeah, so we can definitely, so like, when you like you go into like that, that the, I guess meal prep, right? And then it just becomes like, oh, I'm just eating chicken, rice, and broccoli all the time. And that's all I'm ever eating. And now I'm just suffering through that. And it's just like, but you also got to live. And that's why they have like cheat meals, right? So that like you can like, Still live a little bit, but it's like maybe trying to have things in moderation, trying to mix things up, or like I gotta add more vegetables and take away maybe a little more rice or something. The best thing about a cheat meal is it, it normally for me when I go to eating all that good shit, yeah. like because I, I do it like once or twice a year, like where I'll do like a whole month of just like not necessarily cleanse, but just trying to shed some weight, just dieting, whatever. When yeah. you do that cheat meal, most of the time it makes you feel like dog shit. Yeah. It makes you feel like ass and you're like like that one bowl of ice cream that you have and you're like, fuck, why did I do this? Because normally I, like, I feel so good, like my energy levels are no, up yeah. and everything. It's like, it's like taking yourself off of like fast food and then your stomach's like, uh, like for like vegans, right? That's a dangerous thing if they like have like food that's outside their diet because their whole system now has changed to eating this way. That's why I refuse to go full vegan because, for one, I've done vegan-style diet for, like, a month, and 
I felt fucking horrible. And yes, I was taking vitamins. So for anybody who's like fucking doing all that, I'm saying like my stomach was just like constantly doing flips. It did not feel good. But one of the things that I do do is I don't eat like meat every single fucking day. And yeah. I don't, I don't try to like overindulge of it. I am aware, but I'm, I'm a hundred percent an omnivore. I'm going to eat a little bit of both. Cause like I need the fucking nutrients, man. It's the yeah. way that my body like is, and I have friends different. that will ruthlessly disagree with me. They'll be like, you don't need that. And it's like, okay, fine. I, I, you may not. And I may not even, but I can't be hyper-focused on this. Yeah. I'm like, I have a lot of work I want to do in my life and I can't be hyper-focused <laughs> on this. And there's a lot of things we don't need. We technically don't need like electricity. We can technically make or, it without electricity. Or milk. But I like my milk with cookies. I like my milk with cookies. Yeah, well, you don't need the cookies either, Kurt. <laughs> One thing you do need is oil changes in your car. Head on down to Jiffy Lube and get an oil change today for $20. Sorry, this is an ad read. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm a transition of Jiffy Lube. They got the oil change. I'm just fucking kidding. We don't have any ad reads yet. But do you want do you want to take a break right now? Because we're at an hour and twenty minutes. We actually went over because we were in the middle of a great conversation. Oh, I mean, I'm good to continue if you. I gotta take a piss super bad. So. Oh, you will go take that piss. All right. Well, we're just gonna stop it right here for right now, and we'll come right back. Do do do. We're gonna play your song actually right here. Oh, play the song. Word. Yeah. Said you didn't see my horns Well, I wasn't trying to hide Felt like you wasted time I guess that was the price Say I need to be punished For what was the crime? I told you that I liked you And you said you felt the vibe now texting me all I wanted was to get inside You just mad I can't be yours I told you from the get-go I wasn't pure Now I'm something you can't ignore Once you get past me I'm sure you'll endure You knew what you had, don't play pretend We're back into the thing. <laughs> We're back into the thing. Yeah, we are. So what do you want to talk about now? Um, 
Yeah, since we're going to have that whole conversation. We're going to need to have a part two eventually of that conversation. Dude, you're allowed to come on here whenever the hell you want. Oh, okay. Yeah, buddy. Dude, don't moist. do that. Come on. Why does everybody do that? What, moist? No, no, no. They start making noises into oh. it. And I'm like, dude, this isn't ASMR. This is off the rails with Taurus Brett. Come on. I'm here. Come on, boy. Shout out to you, Lon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, so, Bojack. Oh, yeah, you want to talk about Bojack Horseman now? Yeah, that junk. That whole series. How, how, did you like the way it ended? Mind so, you, wait, wait, just before we do this, just so you know, and just so everybody else knows, I am aware that on the last podcast with Stork, I talked about the ending of Bojack Horseman. So, it's not like... I'm trying to tap into this material again. <laughs> but I do want to actually talk about it with somebody who actually watched the series finale because yeah. Stark didn't. So I was talking about it from a one-person perspective. Yeah. And he was just going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we also talked about it outside of here before. So we definitely both, I think we definitely both watched it around the same time. And oh, was, yeah. I mean, I, I've been watching it ever since it first came out. Yeah, same. Because I was like, what is this that cartoon? And then, like... Got depressed after watching the first season. I'm like, gosh, is this humanity? Um, so wait, wait. Let me just rephrase the question yeah. again. So we're back on track. Did you like the ending? Give me your thoughts on it. Yes and no, right? Because it's kind of like, I guess the whole idea of the show, right? It's kind of, at least for me, the kind of the premise or the catching premise of why people were watching it for so long was like, can he change? Can he actually become a good person? And then it kind of became more of, okay, so maybe he can become a good person, but what about everything else that he's done, right? Will that just go away? It doesn't usually just go away. And then, like, now you're just trying to, like, see where, what, who will he become at the end of this? Will he still be the same horseman, or will he be a new person? A better Bojack. A better Bojack. Which is like a horrible horseman or a better Bojack? A horrible horseman or a better Bojack. So it's kind of, um, I guess a lot of the terms people are using are bittersweet. Because it's kind of like he did commit a crime, but he also committed a lot worse. But like he committed a crime and he got, he's got off of jail and then like he has a possibility of coming back. To Hollywood and maybe not being as hated, but it seems like he lost like his core circle now, and that's like the takeaway from that. If if he's still alive, because there's a lot of theories, people think he's just dead, and this is why his mind is just, just equated to. Well, let's elaborate on those. So I've heard that too. That the the second to last episode, which is the eleventh episode, which was, is always the major climax of BoJack Horseman. People think that that was actually his real death scene, and then when Herb Kazaz says like you're you're somebody may come get you out of the pool, or they may not. We're not allowed to know. Yeah. And when he says that, he also um, he alludes to the fact that this is it, and this is your brain just 
yeah. processing. This is your mind doing what it needs to do to come to terms with what's happening. Yeah. And that's a lot of people elude. I'm not trying to inform you. I'm just trying yeah, to yeah. catch everybody else up who may have not seen the same things that we have. Yeah. And a lot of people think that, well, a lot of theorists think that that alludes to the fact that the final episode was actually his mind coming to grasp. Like when the darkness finally grabs him is his brain doing the final charade. Yeah. Of like accepting death. In, in accepting all the, the major relationships that he had. And that's why nobody ever talks to anybody else during the last episode. It's only their interactions with Bojack. Yeah, the main and, people in his life. Yes, and him coming to terms with all of those relationships and how they will go on without him based on all the information that he knew about them. Yeah, because um, well, I guess the only thing is that he wouldn't have known that Princess Caroline would have gotten married. I was going to get good. Because there was no indication. I guess it's the only one thing. Because there's no indication that he knew they were going to get together. But also, you never notice that Judah's not in it? No, I noticed that. I know this is really just. Um, and they never mention her getting married to Judah. So this could also be Bojack Horseman just also just assuming that Princess Carolyn's going to get married. Huh. That was my own theory. I, yeah, I definitely have to watch I, it again. I didn't hear anybody actually say that, but she doesn't mention Judah at all. So this could also be Bojack just going, I know this was Princess Carolyn's major goal, was to find somebody in a stable relationship, something that he couldn't offer her. So he may just be pontificating in his brain, going, that's how I imagine her going, is not with me, with somebody else. Yeah. And making peace with it. Because, like, I heard that argument, too. And I was like, but they didn't mention Judah once. And I actually found that kind of weird. Because I was expecting to kind of have a little bit more. I was like, okay, well, if this is at Princess Carolyn's wedding, I can't wait to see Princess Carolyn, you know, actually uh, go dance with Judah. Yeah. Or something along those lines. Like, just something kind of, like, romantic to wrap that up. But they don't. And um, if I was in the writer's room. Yeah. If I was writing that episode, I'd be like, okay, well, we should also probably put like a romantic scene in her here with her like closure of like Judah, because I think like a lot of the fans would want that kind of closure. And I can't help but think that somebody at the writer's table is like, well, no, because we want to leave it open ended for this reason. Yeah. So I feel like that's the reason why they made it very specifically. The four of them or the three of them, really, because then it was Mr. Peanut Butter, Princess. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about them. I yeah. forgot about <laughs> Mr. Peanut Butter. Oh man, freaking um, <laughs> what was the his, his the girl's name again? Diane. No, the no his girlfriend before to- like Todd's. No, not Todd's girlfriend. Uh, Mr. Peter Butter's girlfriend, the Pitbull. Pickles. Pickles, <laughs> and it's like, and they're gonna come back, and then we're gonna sort out. And we're broken up. <laughs> I was just like, oh gosh. Wait, 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 say that again? Remember, like, when um, he was like, yeah, and she's going to come back, and then we're going to, like, fix things, or, like, we're going to work things out. And she broke up with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I love how they did it with him off screen. One thing I will say is that the t- tie-up, you can tell that they got this cancel information when they had already finished this season. Yeah. That, that, that it was, like, going to end. Yeah. And you know that they changed, like, the last, like, 
four episodes to five episodes. And that's why they let let it out in two different increments because they probably bartered with Netflix. We have they're like, oh well, we have such devoted fans to this show. You need to at least let us release six episodes and then the other six at different times because we want to change some things in the sixth episode if we're going yeah. to make this the closure. Yeah, and they were like, probably like, oh yeah, no, that's fine. Do your thing because, like, you you know, you are on brand with Netflix now. Yeah. So not tying off the show is going to be bad PR. Yeah. So they were pretty much, I, I think, like towards like the last three episodes, they did some major modifications. That's also why. Did you notice that, like, in the Todd storyline with the whole kidney with his mom, you were kind of like, what? You were just kind of like, especially out in the yard, like when he walks out of his parents' house. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just how rushed that felt. You know what I mean? They were like, he's like, well, he's like, I gave her my kidney, so I would feel like she would have like this kind of feelings. And I'm like, wait, what kidney? Did they even mention that in the season before? Like, and I, 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 the more I thought about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they did. Yeah, I guess the buildup for that. Was always there, but I can definitely see now had to be rushed. They definitely seem like they would have done one more season of like Todd, like we're not seeing his mom. I definitely it def- seems like a major B story of the next season. Not yeah, not, not just, just like, wrap this up in a nice little bow. Yeah, exactly. So that that was like uh, I mean, and I noticed that at a couple points, and same with the Judah thing. Yeah, that, it was, went that from- was weird. That was weird. Honestly, I was just like, I kind of get it. Because, like, I know people like the other dude, the mouse dude, because he was, like, a lot. Stempleton or whatever his name was. Yeah, because he was actually a good dude. Stilton. <laughs> Stilton. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. No, I was, I forget a lot of people's names. But um, with her and Judah, it, kind of, like, it makes sense to a degree because they're both hardworking people. And then, like, their love life can interlope into this, into, like, their work life because they're already together a lot. But it was also kind of weird how it's kind of, like, so left field because the season didn't build that up at all well one reason why i actually really like it is because in princess carolyn i've said this on another episode of off the rails i when i was talking to stork about this show yeah uh i've never liked diane she drives me up a fucking wall (laughs) like but the thing is is that i used to be part of like a facebook uh facebook horseman uh bojack horseman facebook group and (laughs) nerd but when I was like really into the show, but then I, <laughs> just but then I realized, yeah. that, dude, it became like such a fucking overly censored group where like if somebody was like even mentioning like a post about like or even like posting about like suicide, if you didn't put like a content warning, even if you were just talking about the characters like, oh, I think Bojack's going to end up committing suicide towards the end of the show. Yeah. Here are the reasons why that allude to it. And people would like their post would get deleted because they didn't put a content warning on it. And it's like, come on. This is like a fan show about like emotions and also mental illness that I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. I feel like those over sensory things is just kind of like a little ridiculous. Like if you can't read about a fictional horse committing suicide, then I feel like you really need to get to therapy or not be part of these kinds of groups where they're they're talking about mental illness to this extent and elaborating on characters. Or at least not delete it and just let the dude like edit it. Well, that's what they would do. They would send a message, but if you didn't get back to it in, like, I think their rules was, like, three hours. So, like, if you were working or something, then... Three hours? Okay, we're not here for the... We're not here for this. Yeah, yeah, for this ridiculousness. But, um... Yeah. My point was... uh, What was my point? What was I saying? You were talking about how you liked how Judah, you know... Oh, yeah, yeah, How Princess Carolyn's my favorite character, because in that Facebook group, they were talking about how... Like, anytime anybody said had criticism of Diane, 
any little criticism, people would be like, you hate women. You clearly hate women characters. No, no, I'm not joking. This was like a real fucking thing. And I couldn't stand Diane, but that, for one, there's there's always a, and you know this as somebody who likes to look at media in a critical way, whenever you dislike a character, normally there's a bit of truth in there that probably hurts you a little bit. So you kind of reject it because maybe you see some of your worst parts in you. And a lot of the times that uh, I look at Diane, I also see somebody who runs away from things and maybe charges head on to things that rile things up. There's a lot more to dive into there, but I'm, yeah, I'm trying yeah. to hit like the key points. And I see a lot of myself in there. But my character that I like the most in that Diane. show is Princess, Princess Caroline. Yeah, you're mixing them up together. That's actually funny. I never even noticed that. Princess Diane. Oh, God. What have I done? I know, right? But um, yeah, she's my she's my favorite character because she's probably like the better version of what I see myself as. But I realize that within that, you know, when you see people like be incredibly successful, you're like, oh, their life is probably super perfect and everything. Yeah. But then when you see that show rip you, apart every single character yeah. flaw, kill the layers back. Yes, you start to see, oh, that's not perfect either. No. And when I realized that, I realized more and more how I wouldn't want to be a Princess Carolyn kind of person. You Jeez. know what I mean? I wouldn't want to be a workaholic. Yeah. That's why I think like Judah's actually a really good fit for her because it allows her to be everything that she is. Felt like sacrificing something. I suppose with the other guy where she would have to like actually like slow down. And like she definitely slowed down a little bit now. But like she would have to slow down a lot more with uh, the other dude. She definitely would have to. Yeah, not even just that, but Judah is also one of those people that, and I don't like the idea of being like a servant to a lover, but the thing is, is that Judah literally gets fulfillment based on his personality. He's a sub, being, and she's a dom. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But you, you see that where, oh, that actually works, where yeah. like when he left his gig, like clearly something that he is passionate about to go back and help Princess Carolyn. And then she left. I was like, what kind of Mickey only, Mouse, yeah, but, <laughs> like little switcheroo with the watch, remember? Yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. Oh, the whole story like, oh, you got me the case for the watch and then like I got you this. Or, yeah. Yeah, but I think it, it, it's cool to see somebody who the only time that he disobeys orders is to serve under somebody that he respects and loves in that way. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this actually makes a lot of sense. I just wish we got way more episodes to, to evolve this. Yeah, to let it flush out, to flush it out and see the hints. That's kind of why it felt a little dry and a little like cringy. I think is yeah. because it didn't feel like there was a build up to it. We had yeah. one instance where all of a sudden Judah just felt like, okay, now I'm going to tell you I love you versus as these like small indications or even larger indications after yeah. this admittance of love. Yeah. So I think a uh, deep thing was a lot for the show, I guess. Was, um, was he, he deserved to be hated like that? Cause like part, part of his, characters his own hubris is wanting more like the interviews how like the first interview went well everyone's like yeah i'm like go bojack horseman and like oh like we feel like we understand you and people are like um like you actually inspired me and then like princess caroline was like what are you doing like we got what we wanted what are you doing like, no you know uh, uh since i'm inspiring people you know i should uh go up there again 
And even though like the the reporter was like going heavier on him and like and so, but I was just like, you did this. Hey, you did this to yourself because you never had to do a second interview. Two, you did do all those things. Like she did twisted some things here and there, but it's just like you did do all those things. Right. Like you you did like there's there's a certain amount of like understanding where it just comes to like you can't use that as an entire clutch. You know, so it's just like where it's like you it's it's kinda like trying to see how a, like a villain could become a good guy, but then they just get kind of kind of like stuck in the middle. Yeah, because like he becomes a teacher and stuff, and then like this report that is so. Oh my gosh, I, we never really got the proper end for those characters either, the reporters, because they you know how they're like, excuse me, how they were like in love, whatever, but like never like officially did it, and then she kind of got married. You know what I'm talking about? The the reporters, the over-exaggerated ones. The ones that was trying to look up. Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, because she just kind of got married, and I guess, like, we never really got that resolved. I mean, that pig woman, she fucking... (laughs) Oh, my... Dude, I'm not joking. Those were, like, my least favorite characters throughout the whole show. I mean, it was... I like the way they talked. That was kind of fun. But very quickly did it become like, oh my god, what are we doing here? <laughs> it like, definitely what the fuck? A, <laughs> it definitely was like a whole itch. Like, a, um, like at first it seemed like a fun kind of like a little like, a, oh, we're going to throw this in here to add some like uh, seasoning to it. You know what I mean? And yeah. then all of a sudden it became like a crutch in a way or like a major plot driving point we're just trying to find what happened to her and then like the character it's like yeah. don't even don't even flush out those characters they were just funny gags and then all of a sudden they started to flush them out for no reason <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but anyways i wanted to i wanted to go back did you ever notice this because i it took me because i just started re-watching it um yeah that you know my projector yes Hard flex, dude. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh my gosh yeah yeah but uh, i just started rewatching it and did you ever notice the I mean, you obviously have noticed it because you probably have watched it at least a couple times, right? The whole series? I think I haven't really repeated the season once. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, so. the first episode starts off with an interview. The first episode is an interview with BoJack Horseman, and he talks about how he parked in a handicapped spot. And he's and they're like, why don't you just go move your car? And he goes, I probably shouldn't. I'm pretty drunk right now. <sighs> and they're like, you're drunk in the middle of the day. And like it kind of sets up his character, yeah. who he is, but... It starts off with an interview, and he says he's like he says like when he walks out, he's like I feel like I can. Uh, he's like, well, no, he says during it, he's like I feel like I'm totally nailing this interview, and he says that after that one good interview towards the end, yeah, he's like I feel like I totally nailed that. But also, if you notice, the ending of the first episode was them on the rooftop. Yes, and also I think it's worth noting the only time that you ever see him looking at secretariat as a kid is during an interview and secretariat nails interviews. He knows how to push off allegations. Like when the whole idea of him betting on racing. Yeah. And he's like nailing it. And he goes, he's like, I bet you won't get renewed for a new season on this show. Like kind of making like a lighthearted joke and how well he, he pushes and diverts and everything. And Bojack Grew up seeing that with his hero. I mean, yeah, he was the dad figure 
Like his own dad wasn't even there. When the... Right. So he saw him doing these interviews, and I feel like the show is told really well throughout interviews too, and that's why it was so important towards the end of the show with those interviews and how they also came back and bit him because the one thing is is that like Secretariat was never really like chasing this idea of like being liked by the public. That yeah. wasn't really it. There was a deeper demon there. And I think Bojack kind of uh, associated doing interviews and people respecting him through the interviews and the the person hosting the interview laughing yeah. with him and having fun as like a way to engage and get back in that spotlight. I think there was like so much to be said about interviews and also like when he did the the Grammy thing, remember like how much he hated the interviews. Oh yeah. Cause it was never really about how good a movie is. It's more who can like pay off and like get the most publicity. But do you remember it. when he went to that Southern swamp area and the whole the house? Yeah. And that the, in every, no, everything got um, pushed towards Diane because of the, the Hippopopolis thing. I don't remember that. that Hank Hippopopoulos with the sexual allegations. When they're doing the book tour and the whole attention goes on to Diane, then Bojack instantly starts saying horrible things that he's done to try to get everybody's attention back on him, but nobody cares. And I, I think that plays all up. like The character keeping him so well i mean we have like the homer simpson syndrome in a lot of cartoons where they get lost because we we can tell like the things that pull well or test well against like audiences of like what they like to see them do right so then you lose the character and what their actual motivation because they just become a gag themselves exactly they become a a character playing that character they don't actually they flesh out to be their own thing anymore. Right. So I think it's really cool how well Bojack Horseman kept Bojack together. And so often do you go, oh, come on. I feel like the writers just want to keep dragging Bojack down. But then you realize you're like, no, that's reality. But it's a subversion for what we normally expect from TV shows. Because we normally expect them, once they start doing better, they do better. But that's they, not they, real life. They stay better. Yes, but that's not real life. Yeah. So I think it's really cool how they set that up throughout interviews throughout the whole show, whether it's his book tour or the first episode or the last episodes where, you know, he's spiraling again. And they kind of show it through the interviews. The first one goes well. The second one, he starts getting nervous. And the third one, he's back to being ra- like full of rage. Yeah. If there was a third one, it may have just been the second one. I don't remember, but... <laughs> But I think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I think that's important to note that like it's kind of is like a telltale sign of how the seasons went, where you know he starts off kind of happy go lucky, and then all the things start eating at him, and it just becomes nervousness. And also watching Secretariat growing up, I just thought that was an interesting perspective that they threw in there that I don't think a lot of people picked up on because I watch a lot of YouTube commentators and I haven't seen anybody even tackle like the interviews throughout the show but I think there's a lot of subject matter there one of the one of the things that definitely I enjoyed the most out of uh, out of that that series was uh, the dude with the cancer Herbert right Herb Herb Gazaz Herb when he said I don't forgive you as he's dying and he's like, no, you're not gonna get that satisf- like that satisfaction. Like you 
screwed me over. Like, I get it. Like, we're, like, reconnecting. But it's like, you're not going to get that satisfaction. And I'm just like, dang. Like, imagine someone doing that in real life. Because that's what, like, Bojack found out he was dying and wanted to, like, try to, like, partially, he, like, he actually felt bad for what he did, right? Because you saw him, like, when he found out, like, the whole thing well, with the older lady, that was like, oh, that was just a bluff. Like, I wasn't thinking you actually fall for it. And he was like, what? You, like, you screwed over my life. And she's like, dude, you did these choices. Like, I never forced you to do anything. And he, Yeah, I sold you on it. Yeah, but he, like, I never forced you to, like, actually do that. So, like, when um, they're trying to reconnect me, he has cancer and he's dying. He's like, dude, no, I don't forgive you. Like, you don't get that. And I was like, dang, because you don't usually see that. Because usually at the end, it's like, I forgive you. And then they die, and then they get. Yeah, he could have just very well as gone. Like if it was written like normal TV, he could have just been like Bojack. It's been a very long time, and I forgive you because I've made my peace yeah. and everything. And Bojack can leave feeling like with this heartfelt moment. But yeah. that's not reality. Not always. Some people do get over that, and some people don't. Or some people was just like, "Why would I give you that? You don't really deserve that." Well, the heartbeat of the show is the complications of reality. It's yeah. not all just wrapped up in a nice little bow. There's dimensions to everything. Yeah. The the one thing that I hear people constantly repeat and I think it's a good way to set up the show is that there there can be a happy ending, but it's not the end. It's yeah. a moment. Cuz life is hills and valleys. So what may in a movie seem like a happy ending, that's just because the movie's over or the show is over. But life goes on. Life goes on. So then the next task is at hand because we can all kind of remember a moment in our lives where things were really good. Even so much as like winning a lottery ticket or, you know, you won a hundred bucks off a scratch ticket. Or getting the first kiss off the girl you like. Yeah. Or the first time you had sex or the first time you heard your favorite band's song and it really connected with you. That really high moment. Yeah. That's not where life ends. Yeah. Life continues on, and you're going to have miserable moments. And even from this point on, after this podcast, we are bound to have miserable moments. I mean, yeah, everything is always seasons, yeah. right? There are seasons of suffering, seasons of happiness, and seasons of things just are just standstill. Yeah, and it, it comes to the point where none of that really matters. Because there is a way to live in your life, and I think that's kind of like the idea of Mr. Peanut Butter is a subversion of that, right? Because he kind of lives in this blissful happiness of all time. But he's like thinly aware of it. Well, that's kind of like the weird part about him is because he's so hyper happy all the time that he ignores any real acknowledgement or wrongdoing. Everything, like including with the Diane thing, he's like, I'm always just trying to make you happy. Like, I'm always trying to do this and whatever. And... It's like, it's not all about just making people happy or just, just yeah. being this thin sheen of happiness over everything. Life is complicated. and you, It's understanding somebody is not fun. It's not horrible either. Maybe sometimes it is. But it's not, it doesn't have to be fun. That's what life is. It's complicated. I mean, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> dimensions to it. Because obviously there is fun in getting to know somebody. But like... If you're both going through like a uh, like a stressful time, you know, like if you you figure out somebody 
if y'all both kind of like like in a car accident or if you're driving, you know, sometimes people have road rage and you're not finding things that you didn't know about a person. You're finding out things you didn't know about a person. So it's like, it can be fun if you're on a date or you're like, you're watching movies or you're doing these different experiences, but like it's both, right? Sometimes it can be like scary to realize somebody's not going to be there for you. I feel like you are in danger. And you learn that about a person, or you find out that person is going to be there for you when you need for them. Well, that's why I think Mr. Peanut Butter is the perfect example of that, is because, just like you said, it's not all horrible getting to know somebody. I agree. Yeah. Mr. Peanut Butter doesn't suffer with getting to know people on a positive level. When everything's fun and happy, he's, 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 he's really good at connecting with people. Unlike BoJack, he, he doesn't have that barrier of disappointment or unhappiness yeah but then when somebody actually does get mad at him and upset that he's not listening correctly he's like what are you talking about i thought this was just all fun this is all supposed to be fun getting to know each other but when you have to learn a cruel reality of somebody or just the reason why they're unhappy it's not supposed to be a fun go happy time yeah. and that's like what, kind of what he learns with Diane it's one of the most valuable lessons that i think he learns throughout the show and that's why like with pickles like he learns about himself that he still had these ties to Diane and it's not fun for him to have to tell pickles about it and that's kind of like the first time where he's like okay well i'm going to try to make it fun it's going to be a game Right. It's going to be a game of like, well, we can get you laid, too, with somebody that you're attracted to. (laughs) And he tries to make it fun. But it's not until like the show kind of like, well, their story kind of comes to an end where he realizes. I'm not the right person for her either. Well, not even just that. I agree with that. Yes. But it's not just that. It's the fact that, oh, shit, this is the thing I learned from Diane that this isn't fun and it shouldn't be fun and have a good resolution. He felt uncomfortable and like recognized the uncomfortability of that. Yeah, exactly. And it was something that he flawed with Diane, but now he kind of came to the realization towards the end of with Miss, uh, I keep calling it Mrs. Pickles, but Pickles. <laughs> she almost became Mrs. Pickles. Uh, Mrs. Uh, oh gosh, Dave really did get I always married. thought it was funny that she calls him Mr., which I guess you could assume is his first name, but it's like, it yeah. feels weird because it sounds like she's like, Oh, so why was she so thick? I didn't understand that. It was weird. Pickled thick. Come on. I was just like, stop it. She's a bulldog. But, um, no, yeah. And then, like, that also that nice scene that they had, her, him dying, it's just like, oh, like, we wouldn't be here right now who we are if we didn't go through this. Because they're kind of like, I, maybe, like, I kind of wish this worked out. But it's like, it's all right that I did it. Because now, like, Diane's, like, met someone that can, like, take her, like, craziness and, like, well, not craziness, but take her, take her for who she is. Because I don't want to be, like, depression means you're crazy because she just, she doesn't know how to properly always express her emotions that you saw in the book. Like, when she's trying to write the book, she had all these deep feelings about, like, what she wanted for herself and what she wanted to do for the world. And, like, she didn't know how to, like, properly... She needs someone to have patience with her. And Mrs. Pringbutter was a happy dog that didn't have the patience, as opposed to her, her now husband, her prestige husband, you know. But, like, he has the patience. He was just there for her. And, like, 
would yeah, be he accepted every part of her and just be honest and it's just like should you really be doing this but like not trying to be judgy but just more like give advice about it and try to give her a different perspective about yeah he's it. like the only reason why i'm asking you this is not because i think that you're going crazy it's because i want what's best for you and you're like clearly stressed yeah you're clearly stressed out right now yeah, like, and this isn't the person who I know you want to be. Yeah. Her son. Uh, I mean, the son meeting. And they first met. He's like this giant <laughs> buffalo. It's just yeah. like, who you mean they hate each other? Uh, I was yeah, gone for two of, minutes. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I was gone for two minutes. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Oh, uh, man. This is giant sofa pimples. And, and I mean, I guess the, like, the way to connect it over books and how, like, he's trying to be this macho high school dude, but, like, he actually enjoys, like, the book, and, like, he's trying not to, like, enjoy it, but he does enjoy it. Well, that's, like, I, I think that was actually my favorite thing to take away from the whole Diane arc, because, like I said, Diane's not my favorite character. I think there's valuable things in there. I think it's supposed to, she's... It's supposed to be unlikable to some degrees for some people. I think that's a purposeful thing. Yeah, because I think she shows this nagging reality, and I don't mean nagging in that fucking stupid way. I mean, like, a nagging reality that we exist in for everyone, where there are parts of us that want to do good and be meaningful, but that's not what life always means. Yeah, And maybe the ways that you tackle the things that matter to you aren't as obvious. Like she was trying to write a book about her journey through pain and through torment, but that wasn't her actual way of dealing with it. Her actual way of dealing with it was telling this other story that actually did connect with teens going through the same thing. Because the stories, the pain and the torment that you go through growing up can kind of mold you into this person who is the best equipped to tell that story that relates to people, but yeah. it doesn't need to be as obvious. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know what actually made me think of it is look at Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter again. Well, I'm serious though, but like, why do you think a lot of teens like fucking grasp with it? It's because this one teen who just did not fit in and he had, he was bullied by his parents his perceived parents yeah. had this greater calling to go off into this magical world where all of a sudden he mattered and was like a person of substance if people think that this is this supposed to be a mythical story of just about like some non-fiction universe it's not it's a coming of tale i mean a coming of age tale yeah where yeah it's about a boy or uh, just a kid in general imagine just I had that feeling growing up, feeling alone, like nobody understood me. Imagine feeling that you had a greater purpose. Yeah. In some other place that nobody would understand, you could move, you could be gone. That was like kind of what that story was being told about Diane is that like you don't need to write this self help book about dealing with your pain in your memoir. Yeah. But you can tell a story about somebody who's tortured that can relate to teens. And I think that's a beautiful thing that a lot of artists don't realize when they're dealing with pain is it doesn't need to be so obvious. Yeah. It doesn't have to be super blunt. Yes. You can tell a very subtle tale and the people who are, that's like the beautiful thing about art is because when you tell something in subtlety, anybody can enjoy it. Yeah. But the people who know what you were talking about, grab right to it. Cause you use themes in stories. Yes. Because you don't have to 
be like, I am hurt. I am hurt. <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, using themes and just trying to like not. There are some times where it doesn't hurt to be obvious, right? It doesn't sometimes it doesn't hurt to be blunt, but obviously there's other times where it helps to be subtle. And uh, yeah, obviously sometimes BoJack Horseman was not so subtle. What do you mean? Well, I mean, it's more like. When I think about when I think about Bojack Horseman, it's just like you know he's a screwed up guy who shouldn't win in the end. But you're kinda of trying to see Well why do you, you think that he should win in the end? I think the idea of of reality. Because like there's two points of reality where it's just like A, your crimes catch up to you and then you get the punishment you deserve. And then maybe from after that punishment, you can become something more. But generally, you got to deal with the punishment, and the punishment may be your ending. Or you get out of it. I would go as far to argue, based off of that point, is you said he doesn't deserve a happy ending. But he also doesn't deserve a bad ending. You don't deserve anything. That, I feel, is the premise of the show. You don't deserve a guaranteed of anything. And I think the show goes throughout each season telling you that. Just because you took your the little co-star from your past show and sat down on a bench and watched the sunset does not mean that you have a happy ending with her. Just because you do certain things does not like you go rescue your friend from a cruise ship that's actually part of a cult just because you just because you star in a movie does not mean you have an, a good ending yeah but also just because you potentially were going to take part in a sexual experience with a young girl or just because you know uh you blew off your friend to continue fame who then ended up dying of cancer. And then you only went to him just looking for forgiveness for your own self, just because you fucked over multiple people and let your rage get the best of you. Doesn't mean you deserve a bad ending either. You don't deserve anything. Life is not based on the sequitur group of acts that make you deserve a certain type of ending. And I think that's what the show tried to tries to illuminate is that like what we, I, I, I would actually argue this is probably the theme of the podcast that we were talking about tonight is that there's really no good or bad. It's a lot of gray and the idea of deserving some kind of some kind of ending is a human made facade that we go badness equates in a bad ending. And good ends in a good ending. I mean, okay. Right. So, there's a lot of gray in the world. Even with certain situations, how we may not disagree or certain people annoy us. Right. And there's so much more to that person which we may not get yeah. to know. Yeah. Right. But, this, I guess the whole thing about deserving is kind of just like the idea of justice. Like, you want people to get their dues. You want people to get what they deserve, good or bad, because then 
I feel like it matters. And it's hard to deal with the idea that sometimes people can just get away with things. And you want the idea of just, like, people get what they deserve. Because they'll live to, like, go on with life. Because the idea of just, like, I could do all this work and it just amounts to nothing is a sucky idea. And that's why so many times in American cinema, usually we have a good ending, right? It's usually more like foreign films where it's just like, no, the ending could be horrible. And then you just have to deal with it, that being the ending. I remember I watched one movie where like all the characters end up dying. And it, like, mind you, it was like an action film. You wouldn't even see it, but it's like everyone died, and there was just like this horrible ending. And I'm just like, dang, dude. Like, that, I felt that. But like, cause, because that's also real life. Like, there are bad endings, but I think the idea of escapism, right, is that if I'm watching this, I want to escape to not see the bad ending. As opposed to the show, it was just like, like, I mean, we could do that. Or we could do this, but how about we just try to be, I guess, once again, bittersweet and show all aspects of this. Well, I think that's what it was. It wasn't trying to be absolute with Jack Horseman. It was supposed to be more of a criticism. And one of the reasons why you end up hating a character, liking a character is because it's what you're trying to take out of life. Yeah. And to. Also, shout out to Todd. Shout out. Todd is the best, man. Todd. Todd is that guy that, like, you just, you would generally want to be a friend. Dude, you know what's funny? He is my sister's boyfriend. Like, my sister's (laughs) boyfriend. I'm not even joking. They are the same fucking person. They're both, like, maybe he's a little bit more mellow, but just as crazy and absurd. Like, (laughs) Like, you know, we'll be at dinner talking about, like, a serious issue, and then he'll just be like, I've never really liked buttering my bread straight out of the toaster. I normally like to wait a few minutes before it cools down. He'll just say something like that, like in the middle of like a like a political conversation or something. And I'm just like, dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> and like he looks like him too. That's the funny part. I can definitely see. Oh, I can I can see it a little bit. Which is like the perfect fit for my sister, to be 100% honest. <laughs> but he's also like a great guy because just like Todd, he's very knowledgeable about and- like real shit like when shit is actually going down like i'll talk to him and he's like very insightful and uh, it actually no <laughs> this thing about the robot <laughs> this, like he created <laughs> oh yeah dude oh my gosh what is he bringing out to like a field or whatever and kills it <laughs> so funny oh freaking todd but no but like todd's like honest and he's like open and like loyal and like there's, like, an overall good person who's, like, goofy and, like, can cause some chaos a little bit. But, like, it's never intentional. It's just more like, this life happens that way. I think a lot of the reason why people, it, and I hear this a lot, the reason why people mostly don't like Todd, because I know people who don't like Todd, is because he feels like a fallacy of, like, a cartoon where everything is goofy antics, but he doesn't actually really fuck up. Everything kind of goofily works out in his favor. And that's kind of what he's supposed to be is that archetype where the Homer Simpson type where everything always works out. Yeah. No matter how badly he fucks up, everything works out good. Nothing is ever, dude, you fucked up. Here's your punishment. 
because he doesn't live in that reality. And I always like that they put that in there. He's like the actual TV show cartoon. Yeah. Because even when he fucks up, as you said, justice, the only time that we really feel people deserve to uh, pay a due to society, pay a debt, right, for doing something wrong, is when we see it actively hurt people. But if somehow that act... Was unintentional. Well, like, let's say this. Imagine if I just did a huge dickhead thing. Like, I, I strung up a wire across the street, right? This is totally strange. But imagine if I did. Yeah. I strung up a cable from telephone pole to telephone pole. It covers a thing. And a car comes speeding down, and it crashes in, and this guy gets heavily injured. But then we find out this was actually some kind of rapist running from the police. And then all of a sudden, you, the, everybody would celebrate me and be like, you caught him. Great. Good for you. That's pretty much what Todd mm. is. He does things that, but if that had cut off the head of like some innocent lady driving down the street, I would be a villain. Do you yeah. get what I mean? He does accidental things that end up working out in his favor that makes people like him more, which is ultimately a characteristic of a cartoon character. And the idea of like paying a debt to society where we live in like reality, even if you meant good, you went out and did something good. But if it was technically by the books illegal, yeah, you will have to pay that debt to society. And I think I think the show does a great job of illustrating these absurdist ideas. You know what I mean? Of yeah. like, if you do something good, like the uh, what is it, Officer Meow Meows or whatever his name is. <laughs> oh my god, there's so many freaking characters of the show, man. Yeah, but he I, went underwater. But I love him because he's so fucking strict, right? Yeah. That that cop, like he does not want to play games. But if he sees something good done, he just acknowledges that was good, and doesn't want to fucking follow through legally in any type of way. Yeah, he's more about like moral justice which is kind of where the show falls in suit only times things morally are corrupt based on their consequences not on the actions which i just, I, I always thought that was just like an interesting thing to think about about the show so freaking bojack i mean out here literally choking the whole girl he literally choked the whole girl man to be fair he was on drugs yeah, but like the like you clearly saw the after effects. But at least like she got. I'm not the saying whole, he shouldn't have been punished by. No, that. no, no. But at least like um, there's a billboard where like she was Firebird or whatever. She got that role. I know. I saw that. Yeah. I was like, okay, so she learned how to deal with that. <laughs> Freaking doing the doing the flip thing. The when they're doing the dance. <laughs> so you uh, you kept that role. You kept that flip, right? <laughs> The she was dancing with the dude, and like he did like a spin or whatever. Remember, and then she got like wild out. And oh like, yeah, yeah. You kept that, you kept that spin in, right? I'm like this guy. I think it's also like one of those things that is important to acknowledge is that, just like I said recent, just in that last thing that you said, and when he like you're like, oh, he choked her out. And I was like, well, yes, I agree, and that should still be punished. But the thing is, is that he was on drugs. And but then he also chose to go on drugs. But my point is... Blah, 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 blah. I'm sorry. I just... But the thing is, the reason why I illuminate that yeah. is, is it's one of the themes of the shows. Yeah. Is that, you know, when he was not purposely trying to be fucked up, he was still being fucked up 
and yeah. doing fucked up things. So what happens when he's fucked up purposely because he wants to be and doing fucked up things? And where does that line get drawn? You know what I mean? On like being under the influence of something and blaming the influence. Yes. Yeah, I, 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 I talked about that during the interview, the second interview. Right. It's just like, yeah, you've been through this, but at some point you can't use it as a clutch anymore. Exactly. I actually really liked that because, yes. I felt so cringy. Oh, my gosh. When I was just like, as soon as he's like, maybe we should do a second interview. I'm like, oh, God, don't do oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I know. Because, like, the first one, like, in reality, does sum up the show really well in general. But then you realize, but this is BoJack Horseman. It's not a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. Because Diana of, call, called it out. It was like, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, and then going to say this, and he's going to be fine. Which is why also Diana like left. Because she's like, and when she finds out about everything, she's kind of just like, I don't know if I could be here. Because he wasn't trying to be like open up, honest, and own the things. It was more like, I'll kind of own it, but like, I'm not going to truly own what I did. Yeah. Yeah, and then he pretty much ends up owning it, though. But not in his own terms, which is the way that Diane wanted him to do it. Because you can still control it. I mean, they tried to do that in the first interview, but it just wasn't like it got into depth of what he did. It was more like, I did this, but I was like, excuse me, I was on drugs. I think it's, a, it, again, it goes back to subversion. It, it subversion. Versus your expectations of what you want for BoJack Horseman as a character. Because there's a weird part of you, because you're so familiar with him, of watching him on screen. Which is also a criticism of show business in general. Yeah. The show is a criticism of show business within a show. So they're like, yes, you're super familiar with BoJack Horseman as a character. So there's a part of you that is rooting for him right now. But in reality, you would not be rooting for this person. You would want the reality to check through much like how reality diane is i mean also it also is kind of convenient <laughs> and also and also but um the whole harvey weinstein thing how that was like a thing and like also like wait are you talking about in real life or in the show well real life and how that definitely affected uh um that definitely affected dude, turn your water bottle oh my gosh I got this on the snap story, dude. Oh, gosh. Well, you just, you're in the middle of the podcast right now, and then you decide to throw a sticker on your water bottle. So, as if I'm not going to film that, dude. But, um, so how that affected a lot of writing shows. How that affected a lot of writing shows. So, how it affected a lot of shows, like opening up about that. Cause, like, some shows definitely tried to do that and, like, bring up, like. Are you talking about the Hank Hippopolis thing? The Hank Pig Pit. See, I don't... What season was that on? Uh, I don't remember what season. He was the the hippo guy that actually sexually assaulted multiple girls, but he was, he was uh, like, super well-known and everything, and that was the one that Diane was trying to take down. Is that what you're talking about, like, the criticism on Harvey Weinstein? Because it was kind of right after that that I feel like that that season came out. Or maybe it was, like, the Bill Cosby era, but... <laughs> Bill Cosby. Yo, what was the thing about, like, the murder? Like, oh, my gosh. This world was like, oh, murder's illegal if you have enough money. I'm just like, that's pretty blunt. 
I mean, that's kind of true. Yeah, yeah, it is. Look that's... at the freaking Clintons, dude. Their body count is higher than most serial killers. Or George Bush. Nothing confirmed, though, but, I mean, hey, that's money, bro. I can remember. No, dude, are you kidding me? George Bush didn't kill anybody. He just hired the Clinton Foundation to do it. <laughs> that's what they do, dude. They're a body count, bro. This is not a local podcast. If you use on this, will not get me killed. I mean... Nah, dude, if you want to kill me, go for it. Do it right now. First so, of all, don't do that. I'm in the building. I am not need to be around Drone here. strike this building right now, don't motherfucker. I got Kurt. I'll jump on him so that first way he's all, safe. First of all. My body will take all the shrapnel. That's not how that works. What are you talking about? This body's absorbent, dude. Doesn't look like it, but it is. If you don't get your six feet, 180 pound self out of here. 80 pounds, you think I weigh? I said 180. Oh, I think he said 80 pounds. I was like, damn, dude, don't compliment me that hard. Don't compliment. Why you do not want to be six feet and 80 pounds? That's I was just, close to that in high school. That's. But I got to pee really badly. Do you want to just wrap this up right here? We're at two hours and 17 minutes. We're doing pretty good. Oh, God, this is the whole thing. Oh, this, this is tacos. One... This tacos out there, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. No, you can totally have one. Uh, oh, thank you. Uh, well, I'm just saying I didn't. I didn't know if anybody offered you, but do you want to wrap it up here though? Yeah, you can come on whenever you want, dude. Yeah, we had some like fucking great conversations. I think you're one of my favorite guests I've had on so far. Well, no shade to everyone else, but <laughs> we, uh, we, I mean, you've been talking about me. You've been talking well, to me about listen, this podcast. Here's the thing: like two years for now. But here's the thing: is that just because you're one of my favorite guests on does not mean that anybody's less cool or anything like that. Of it's course just, not. We have chemistry when we talk all the time because. We hang out, and then we don't see each other very often. So when we yeah. hang out, we do we fucking go off on shit. Yeah. yeah. And I love our conversations, honestly. You're one of the people I appreciate most. Like, as I sent you when you were coming over here, I messaged you, and I was like, dude, I love the way you think. Because that's yeah. true. I do. Yeah. And I appreciate you appreciating me, and I appreciate you. Fuck yeah, dude. Love you, bro. See, that's that's kind of home. I'm kidding. I'm kidding too. I'm Thanks for to... coming on, dude. All right. Yeah, we definitely have some unfinished business to talk about, but it's been a long podcast, and it's probably almost midnight. I'll get you in March. How's that sound? Gang. Gang, gang. All right. I want to say to the folks... Um...